0: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
1: All right, what is up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and this time we have two of... Uh Two of your all time favorite guests joining together uh, for one really dope podcast. Uh, first guest is a legend by the name of Todd Waters. He's a current Australian motocross champion. Uh, at some point, he's going to try and defend his title. Uh, and the other is coach Rob Beams. Uh, it was pretty cool. These two kind of linked up through Instagram after Todd listened to uh, Rob's previous podcast and they've been kind of going back and forth. And uh, when Rob was in Australia on this last trip, we all sat down together and and their guys had stuff that they kind of wanted to talk about together. So it was really cool to be able to facilitate that chat. Um, Really cool, really interesting stuff gets spoken about in this podcast. And I'm sure as always, uh, people are going to go away with a lot of information as they do whenever Coach Rob is, uh, is on the podcast. This podcast is brought to you today by... MotoGP 2020 the game it's out it dropped this week it's absolutely insane as of right now i absolutely suck at it so i'm going to get uh sammy and streeter in the studio and we're going to try and figure this thing out together uh i will also be playing as the homie jack miller uh It's got all of the riders and all the tracks of the 2020 season in it, so you can play as any one of your favorite riders. The graphics are insane. Like, I had no idea uh, just how good you could make a MotoGP game, but they've done a ridiculous job. The whole career mode of it is really cool as well you can develop your bike and clean like aerodynamics engine packages tires uh you can hire a manager like it's really 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 cool uh and if you're still doing the isolation thing then uh I feel like you could get lost in Moto GP 2020 quite easily uh and you're in luck because we're giving away three copies so please stay tuned uh on our Instagram, thank you to the guys at Coach Media. Um, we're giving away three copies to our Australia and New Zealand listeners, so stay tuned for that. Uh, also, just got to give a shout-out to the guys at MX Store. If you've got your any project bike builds going on like I do with the Screaming Eagle, uh, you can head to mxstore.com.au. Uh, still got same-day shipping, uh, and you can do in-store pickup. They're following the COVID-19 rules, but you can pick up in-store still. Uh also, got to give a shout out to the guys at Rival Inc. Uh, if you have been wanting to get a sticky kit or just freshen your bike up uh, before we can start riding again, you can log on to rivalincdesignco.com, pump in the code Gypsy Gang, and you are going to get 15% off your order. Uh, and the perfect combo to go with your Rival Ink Sticky Kit is a Thrill Seekers seat cover. Uh, These guys are the best in the game. Very similar to Fist Handwear. When you focus on one thing and you get really, really, really good at it, uh, you can become the leader of the industry. Fist has done that. Thrill Seekers has done that. Rival's done that. And MX. I guess pretty much all our sponsors do that. Uh, but Thrill Seekers, sea covers is something that's overlooked, but it's something that you're in contact with on the bike all the time. Uh, and they are by far and away the best in the game. You can use the code Gypsy Gang at ThrillSeekersCollection.com to get 15% off your order. Uh, and finally, but... Last but not least, we should say that uh, we're also brought to you by Sammy and his legendary team at Fist Handwear and Dixon Flannel. Uh, you can pump in the code FUCKJACE jace" to get twenty percent off your your Fist Handwear order, uh, and you can use the code "ramp thief" to get. 15% off your Dixon flannel order. So fisthandwear.com and dixonquality.com.au. Uh, uh, Dixon just did the Debo drop yesterday which was insane. Uh, I'm going to try and get myself one of those. Uh, one of those Debo flannels. So thank you very, very much to our sponsors. Uh and also Crix is giving away that 450 still. So you can go to uh CricxTweed.com.au uh and if you buy a new or used car you can go on the running to win a brand new 2020 uh KTM 450 brighten up 2020 because it's been a bit of a weird one. Uh thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Todd and Rob Beams for being amazing guests as always. Enjoy. Gang. Gang gypsy, 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 gypsy,
2: gypsy, Travelling around with Antonio Corola, World Championship, you you'll fly to guitar and sure. most of the guys are on the plane and stuff. Yep. And I remember when Villapoto come over because I was teammates with Tyler Adray. Yep. The first year when Husky was a thing. Okay. Then he went Kawasaki and Ryan come over. Yeah. And Ryan was just blown. He's like, man, we're in the airport and the dudes are just eating french fries mm-hmm. you know yeah like and he was like no sugar diet like it was like these the americans are just like and i i get it but then you got dudes in America, in europe that they have like a wonderful life you know yeah, absolutely like they they probably train harder mm-hmm. like Riding wise, damn, yeah. man, like just a GP weekend is two days. Like it's right. physical.
1: We bring this up closer, Todd. We might as well just keep rolling here. I got yep. Rob Beams and Todd Waters here. We'll do a bit of an intro once Todd's done on this story. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, it's good shit. Put your headphones on if you want. Yeah, so uh, Rob Beams is in the house. Oh, Yeah, so uh, Rob Beams is in the house with uh, my homie, mate, good bud, (laughs) pal, Todd Waters, the champ, is in the building, uh, and uh, it's kind of cool, we'll get, we'll just, we'll go back to where you were, Toddy, but kind of cool how this come about, Rob Beams is the, uh, one of the MVPs of the Gypsy Tales podcast, the people's champ, I like to call him, Uh, Todd Waters obviously... Todd waters uh, but these two actually I want to kind of hear the story did you guys kind of t- start talking a little bit on social media right and then Todd and yourself wanted to actually do the podcast together which I thought was pretty cool um, so first of all, we'll get back to where Todd was but welcome Rob thank you very much thanks very much for coming in once again absolutely always always a pleasure thanks for um, having us yeah no it's cool I'm excited this will be a this will be a cool podcast I don't think I'm gonna have to do a lot for this one. So nah. I'm excited to just sit back and listen for a change. I kind of feel like I do just sit back and listen when Rob talks, but no, no, this would be this would be pretty sick. So, uh, Toddy, what were you? So you were talking about like the way that the European guys train is different to the US dudes.
2: Yeah, so obviously, um, first of all, like Rob coming here, it's amazing. It's uh, I listen to your podcast. Thank that you. Appreciate you did With that. Jason and uh, and like I just touched on before, I spent a lot of time at Red Bull DTC in Europe and and at the end of the day I was just uh I was just a young Aussie kid that just you know I had two Ojo gear bags 21 year old kid um signed for one of the biggest GP teams in in the world and little did I know when they sent me the contract it was for Husvana and I was like man I don't know about this mm-hmm. you know like sure. the old Husvanas yes and I kind of thought man I don't know if this is a good thing and and it was just like word of mouth at first. Yeah. Um, Rob Tyrell, who managed the team here, I was with factory KDM and he run a really successful team here and, and I love working with Robbie T. So he said, no, 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 it's, it's gonna, you know, KDM of it. it's, it's taking over blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I literally just jumped on a plane with two gear bags over there. Um, I had, man, when I went training, I trained hard. Sure. Like I kind of touched on before with yourself. Um, how I met my fian- fiance was, uh, an ex cycle trainer who's Hamish guy. And, and he taught me how to train hard. Mm. He, uh, it almost felt like a beep test every time I went for a cycle, even on a, on a recovery cycle, because it was, a it was an elite group of young cyclists. Sure. You know, um, my fiance, she represented Australia, um, for cross country, uh, mountain biking and did some world cups in Europe. And and two of the guys you know one of them got the third in the world championship so that's cool i'm hanging on to these dudes sure and then i'm riding in the afternoons and then i'm racing on the weekends so i just thought you just went if my legs were burning happy days sure like i'm man i'm gonna win this weekend you know i'm putting in yep. little did i know when i went to red bull they're like no no you've like i did base fitness tests and stuff and we all sat around a table like this uh robert jonas who's the head of Hasvana, um there was a birder from red bull and then like you had your physio and your psych and your trainer and mickey was his name um trainer like i I miss those guys i spent a lot of time there and and it's a wonderful group of um german people and uh yeah i'd i'd never even heard anyone speak a different language before Mm. so i'm sitting there and they're kind of speaking like english german english and and mickey goes yeah your uh, your physical fitness is not where it needs to be mm. he goes and i was like yeah that's cool and he's like you have zero base fitness like very poor but i must give you you can high, you can hold high heart rate for a very long time mm. like because that's all i did that's right just yep maxing out everything but obviously because i trained like that i had no base fitness i knew nothing about that stuff i said oh that's good news guys and they all just looked at me like Robert Jonas and that and I'm like (laughs) well you know I just uh I just did good at the designations um you know crash in the first corner and come back to fifth at Lommel and that's what gave me the ride here and so I'm a you know I'm a top 10 dude here in the world championship and and I'm the most unfit dude you've seen I love it that's (laughs) great that's awesome I'm like we got stuff to work on so from there it, it escalated really quickly like a lot of learning curves like I'm not sure if you've experienced it personally but when you train the a high heart rate for a long time um when they say oh, I'll go for a 90 minute cycle at 130 heart rate I'm I'm like man I need to call someone like That's I'm right. not even puffing mm-hmm. like this is and I'm phoning them up all the time like are you sure this is right There's like the I'm key. not working You're
1: doubting it yep yeah? exactly so what's that do then if you're just training, say, at like 130 heart rate for two hours? Like what's the theory behind that or the thinking behind it?
3: When And it goes back to like you were talking about with the heart rate zone. So let's just assume heart rate zone 2 is 130 and below if you're using mm-hmm. the number of 130. yeah. If you think about the roots of a tree, as you train at a lower heart rate, you increase the amount of capillary beds inside the muscle tissue. You cannot do that at anaerobic threshold training. Nah. So if you watch the Tour de France, those guys will go out you know, for a 40K time trial during the tour and absolutely shred it. But if you look at them in the October, November, December, they're riding at 20 kilometers an hour, I'm using that number loosely, yeah. for six, seven hours a day for that exact reason. Now there's a there's a, there's an additional benefit to that, and that is the, the metabolism and the utilization of body fat for fuel. When you hear the idea of spare the glycogen to leverage body fat for fuel, when you go into those lower zones, when you only get acclimated to that red line zone, I want you to think about it almost like your exhaust pipe. If you're sitting there and the bike's on the stand and you've got a red line pinned, yeah. think about the amount of exhaust that's coming out. Well, when you bring that high intensity training into the equation, the difference between the human body and a motorcycle is the motorcycle has an opening exhaust pipe. We work on a closed circuit. So when he's doing all the what we call hit high interval high intensity interval training, think about the amount of metabolic byproduct that's coming out of it well, the body isn't going to build capillary beds in a relaxed state because it's trying not to die, let's yeah. put it that way, pretty loosely. So when you're going out and they're having you do the, the low-intensity training, and I love what you said, it seems counterintuitive. I'm an elite athlete, I'm top 10 in the world, I'm on this elite level, why would I want to train the lower end? Well, the lower end is where you increase the capillary beds, you increase the aerobic function, and you, and you utilize body fat for fuel. And you say, well, why is that relevant to an elite athlete? You've got to go back to the idea that increasing the capillary beds and the muscle tissue gives you the avenue for oxygen to get into the working muscles and it gives you an avenue for the lactic acid to come out of the system. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't do the base training and you don't enhance that capability to get oxygen in and lactic acid out, when it comes down to doing speed work, your closed circuit is somewhat limited. Mm-hmm. I, and I think we talked a little bit about this on the last show. Think about your strength base as the size of the bore, think about your carburetor as your aerobic engine. So when they've got Todd going out and they're doing, you know, I'm using numbers, Lucy, we didn't Mm -hmm. speak about this off the record, but you know, two or three hour bike ride at heart rate zone two or below, teaching the body to spare glycogen, use body fat, increasing capillary beds and increasing aerobic function. I've said this before, until you go long and slow, you can never go short and fast. Mm. Now, short and fast is relevant. I mean, Mm. you know, 30 plus two, I mean, that's not a short race. I'm not insinuating that whatsoever.
1: But in the grand scheme of like what they do Mm. on like Tour de France and stuff like that, then that is like a short.
3: That's the idea. Until you can go long and slow, you can't go short and fast because without the capillary beds, without the aerobic engine, and without the strength base. So if we're looking at periodization, breaking up the year into performance cycles preseason, could be anywhere between eight and twelve weeks long, depending on your race schedule. Yeah. What we're looking for is maximizing physical strength, maximizing aerobic engine. This is the part that elite athletes don't want to do. Yeah. What they have to recognize is if we do that for eight to twelve weeks, when we start, we go into pre-competitive phase, and just for the listeners, so they get the gist of it, you have preseason, pre-competitive, competitive, and you could have up to three to four competitive cycles. So we'll call it comp one, comp two, like when you were doing yours. Your your jitsu yeah. You really only had one pinnacle. So you'd have one competitive season with one big peak. Yeah. When we've got an elite pro who has to race every other weekend, sometimes every weekend for four months, that's a lot of little micro peaks. Yeah. That you know, that's what makes the series so hard. As we say, you got to be in it to win it. We've all seen the attrition rate of going pro. It's very difficult. But if we're looking at going into the pre competitive stage and we start dropping in speed work. That's the problem is without the aerobic engine, without the strength base, you're not going to be able to go fast and you won't be able to sustain it. Endurance. Yeah, that's where people get frustrated. If you haven't spent the time building this base strength big bore and you haven't built a carburetor to fuel it, you go into speed work and you you get tired quickly and your top end speed isn't there. So when you're dealing with a lead athlete like Todd, it's great. We can get one lap that's a heater, but then he falls off seven seconds. Well, that's no good. Yeah, you know, you and I have talked about this off the record. If you look at Mitch Payton, Mitch Payton's biggest thing is one second deviation. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't want you know Austin Yard darting himself in the whoops. But the idea is like you know with AC when we were working as an amateur, he would sit in his office back in California and he's watching the ticker, and his big pet peeve is consistency. Yeah. So that's what we trained for. Now we also trained. I mean, I'm not giving away any secrets we trained a negative split every race. So in a 20-minute moto at Loretta's, our goal was the second half was faster than the first half. Oh yeah! But here's the caveat. Adam's 80% needed to be everyone else's 100%. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Todd mm-hmm. unbeatable. If he can build that aerobic engine, he's able to deliver oxygen, dissipate lactic acid. Let's face it, at Todd's level, everybody's within tenths of a second on qualifying. Well, now it's taking it for 30 minutes yeah. and holding the consistency. So if the strength base isn't there, and this gets into some you know, deep physiology, but we'll keep it 10,000 feet. What people don't realize is when you're lifting weights, you're actually soliciting at a neuromuscular level. The easiest example I can give you, if you lift five kilos, then you lift seven kilos, your body's expecting 10. Mm. It's looking for an. That's why your second set always feels better than the sec. Excuse me. Your second set feels better than the first. the first. Yeah. It's because a neuromuscular message There's like, has like been a trigger set, you're like get ready for more. That's yeah. right. First yeah. set always sucks. Yeah. The best analogy I can give to somebody who's not understanding that example is, as you grow up, you start to learn that a, uh, you know, we call them gallons of milk, but you know, however you do your, let's say a liter of milk, you go to pick it up and it's half empty you notice how you slam it through the top of the refrigerator that's a neuromuscular memory that's what we're trying to teach when we do strength training i need the secondary muscle groups to step up when the primaries fail well if you complement that with a huge aerobic engine when i start doing speed work todd can maintain top end speeds he can maintain the consistency now he gets more out of the quality side of an interval workout if you think about it this way If we go out and we do a 20K time trial, and the reason why I say 20K is we purposely do 10K out, 10K back. Mm -hmm. If you are smoking it to the first 10K and then you're nine minutes slower the second, well, you know your muscular endurance isn't there. Mm -hmm. But you also don't have muscular power to sustain it. So when we start doing baseline assessments, if somebody is like completely raining out of breath, but physically their muscles aren't tired, they just can't catch their breath... You have to focus on aerobic.
1: I'm the exact opposite.
3: Well, I was going to say, and yeah. then on the other side, you've got people who aerobically are fine, but their muscles are tapped. Yeah. That's a lack of muscular strength.
1: Well, that's like when I go riding with Maddie. Maddie's legs don't get tired. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'll get yeah. the first, like when I was riding mountain bikes flat out, the first seven Ks of every ride just fucking hurt my legs.
3: Absolutely. And then
1: it goes away. Yep. A be- like it, my, I would always, my legs would get tired before I'd get puffed out. And it was the same when I was racing motocross. I just never got puffed. My muscles just were fucked. Yeah, <laughs> like I just couldn't hold on.
3: And for you, think about the difference between Todd. It's a career. It's got to. There's, there is no. There's no room for that if we may call it an error. yeah. Obviously, you didn't know what you didn't know. We were kind of teasing about it before. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so here he's going out there and he, great qualifying times, has great, I'm using a 30-minute moto loosely, you know, has a great first 10 minutes. gets a good start. Like you said, starts in fifth and moves right up into the top threes, holding pace. Then all of a sudden, anchor gets thrown and goes backwards. Well, lack of muscular endurance, lack, excuse me, lactate tolerance isn't there. Power isn't there. Yeah, no pun intended. You're only as strong as your weakest link. So you're bringing a big bore motor with a, you know, I always tease you. Take a KX 500 yeah. engine, take in, put a, a KX 85 carb on it. It's yeah. got its potential, but it can't do its job. And then vice versa. Yeah, I've got a you know KX 85, and I'm taking a a 500, 500 carb job, yeah. and putting it in. That's where a preseason aerobic engine maximum strength most guys don't do that and what's really difficult is these guys their season keeps getting longer and longer there is no definitive off season because that's the four seasons pre-season pre-competitive competitive and off season if todd doesn't get a chance to regroup physically and mentally if any of the listeners are sitting with a piece of paper at home i want you to draw like in an integer line write the word cell then write the word tissue then write organ and then write system think about this If Todd's out and he's blitzing himself, he can't eat enough food, he's burning up, the health of his blood cells are going down the drain. We get this through a blood panel. This isn't isn't something that any of the listeners can't self-evaluate. If you see that you're down on B6, B12 iron, those are just the typical, I'm just pulling those three out randomly. Those are three elements of a blood panel. Well, why are you low on B six, B twelve, and iron? Why are your white blood cell counts up? Why are red blood cell counts down? Because you could
1: be like eating the right food and doing the right supplements, but if your body's not you're, like, keep actually going. keep going, able to absorb those things, then it's like no matter what you eat or if you do the right things or that's right, yada yada yada. But there's there's
3: three total, and you hit the third one, which most people don't get, and that's the absorption. Yeah. The first thing we look at is if your if your blood works out of line, you're simply burning more than you can consume. Yeah. It's not that Todd eats garbage. So when we look at food, we look at quality. He's already doing that. We look at quantity. Well, my goodness, with the amount that he burns, his watch is going to show me he's burning four or five thousand calories in a day. You did this with your when you were taping yeah. for your show. Now all of a sudden we do an evaluation, and Todd's got to get five thousand calories a day. Well, he's driving two hours to the track, two hours back. He's riding. When's he going to stop yeah. and consume? And I'm saying five thousand calories mm-hmm. over a fifteen hour day. So what ends up happening is, going back to your analogy, the three reasons why someone's gonna have blood that's gonna be out of line, either they're burning it faster than they can consume it, or, like you said, if we recognize that the biggest challenge is getting enough quality and quantity, that's my biggest challenge, then we have to look at, okay, your high-intensity training, your overall burn rate, you're burning more than you're consuming. Mm. I, want, I don't want those two to get misunderstood. You're either burning more than you're taking in, which means we need to bump it up, you bump it up and this is where your third one comes in. You're not absorbing what you're eating. So then we get into a colon cleanse and and all the things about absorption of nutrients. Now you also mentioned the word supplement in 100% transparency, I own my own supplement business, but I don't want people taking supplements. Because what happens is, especially with the younger riders, if I say, hey, look, I want you to have a smoothie. It's going to give you 800 extra calories. We looked at your watch. We know your burn rate is way higher than what you can get in calorically. I need you to do a smoothie. That smoothie is not a meal replacement, hence the word supplementation. It's to supplement breakfast, lunch, dinner, three snacks, eat every two hours. These little guys, they look at it and go, oh, I can have a smoothie for dinner. No we're trying to get your calories as close to your burn rate as we can. Now there'll be somebody that will send a nasty message. they will put a message below the, the video or whatever, say, oh, you know, you always want to be in a caloric deficiency. Bullshit. Yeah. Especially for this athlete, guy. Yeah. Well, it, it really is applicable for everybody running a caloric deficiency is it's like you coming in and tell me you're going to save weight on a motorcycle. So you're going to run the oil low in the casings. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same poor analogy. So, yes, the bike will run, but when it's when that oil is low, drain half the radiator fluid. Stresses the system. Mm. Run the oil low. Stresses mm. the system. Will the bike run? Sure, it'll run. You may take a bike. He gets one fresh from the factory. They, they drain the oil just enough to finish the 30-minute moto. We drain half the fluid. In fact, we just go out and we ride it in the mud so we can coat it. How much stress do we put on that motor in one hour? Mm. But it only has an hour on it but we stressed the system. Yeah. So when someone's saying to me, "Oh, it doesn't matter what your caloric burn rate is, bullshit." That's like you saying that you're you don't care how much gas you put in the bike or how much oil you have in the casings or, you know, radiator fluid, you're stressing a system. Well, when we look at caloric deficiency and you just keep going in a hole, where will he be in a week? If he's burning 5, 6,000 calories a day and he's busy, man, he's trying to do his best. He's eating his quality is good. The bad part is eating good when i say good fruits vegetables and lean protein we talked about it on the last show food doesn't have to be difficult mm. the problem is it's not calorically dense to get 6000 calories uh, if you guys go to the grocery store those pre-bagged salads pick up the uh, pick pick it up and look at the ingre- excuse me look at the, the label calorie, uh, 75 calories in one of those bags this wow. this guy needs 6000 yeah, calories how much are
1: you eating these days when you're training full blown
3: for Man. what you can what you can tell us i just eat to bulk. tell you the truth. yeah, wait, and, so bring this that, and that's what's scary right there. Like you said, he's just eating. He's yeah. eating good quality. But yeah. if his watch shows us he's burning 6,000 calories, and he, again, let's do a Monday through Sunday. Let's just use even numbers. Let's say he misses it by 1,000. That's 7,000 calorie deficit in one yeah. week. And we wonder, this is why I wanted you to go back to the cells, mm-hmm. tissue, organs. We wait until the system, adrenal fatigue, let's just go straight to the big one in our sport, Adrenal, we now have a diagnosis on a system, look at, for the listeners, look at your notes. Cells make up tissue, tissue make up organs, organs make up a system. Remember what we said earlier? The body's a closed network. Yeah. Now we wait till the system is diseased. We go in, they say, hey, you've got Epstein-Barr, you've got adrenal fatigue, you've got some diagnosis. It's because the blood chemistry got out of whack, we ignored it, mm. he's a pro, he's gotta keep training got a calendar he's got commitments now all of a sudden we're calorically deficient we hadn't we talked about being hydration deficient sleep deprived think about the stress on the human body now we go until the tissue becomes sick mm. until the system becomes sick and then we have someone like him he's got a three-year deal and he can only honor one because he's been he's got a diseased system because of blood chemistry being out of whack yeah that's why it's so important
1: that um yeah. The sleep thing was probably like one of your biggest things, yeah, eh? When you listened to the last podcast with Rob, so, how did you like? Yeah, if you've got questions too, like I want you yeah. to just go nuts with. That was questions. a big thing
2: that I wanted. I've got. That's a big one because I contacted you about that. Yeah, and that's really what interests me because, like I explained before, I've I've touched on, and by all means, I've got no, not one little bit of uh, education about the human body. You know, I I just know things from experiences, sure. injuries. You know. Sure. I know what ACLs are because I've snapped them, and I know where they are and (laughs) rehabs and you know all this sort of stuff. But um, for example, I've got my fiance Jill, who's a physio, so she's quite educated on the human body, and uh, they do the first three years of an exercise scientist sort of thing. So um, she writes all my programs and stuff like that. And at the moment, we have you know how much like every morning I get up, resting heart rate, obviously um sleep like how many hours deep sleep like i record all this stuff um because looking back when i was at red bull i've got everything's recorded yeah you know and that's the biggest thing that i found with high-end athletes is everything's recorded not just because they feel like it it's Mm -hmm. it's a record of everything that you've done that's right and to touch on the on the diet stuff like i've been everywhere with everything throughout my career and and i don't know whether it's because of my upbringing um like we eat very healthy my family's a healthy family um like you know we had like a junk food friday when i was a kid like we yep. were not allowed soft drink this sort of stuff and it's not anything i ain't an athlete like it's my dad just took me racing and i was going to work in the business and we we're going to have mm. kids and like i was going to have kids and sure. we we're just going to build a business you know yep and uh it wasn't I am one of these kids that the old man's running around yelling at me to hold my leg up or anything. I love it. My old man's over there changing tires for some people talking. Like, <laughs> I, when I turned, you know, I was probably nineteen, twenty. I was so hungry to to get overseas and and to better my career. And I'd be like, Dad, like, 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 what can I do? What can I work on? Mm-hmm. Oh, you look good, mate. Like, yeah, really smooth. You're riding good, mate. Like, never like, come on, man. Like, what? do I need to get my hips back or just, sure. you know, so I kind of struggled with that. But when I was overseas, I I did, I was very, I found what works for me is just cutting out all the stuff. Like you said, vegetables, like everything needs to be fresh. Yep. Um, chicken breasts, no, no gravy, no this, no yep. that. I cut out a lot of stuff when I was in Europe and I found I started tasting food a lot more because here in Australia we have chicken breasts and we'll put gravy on it. Like, mm. you know, it's yeah. a when you go to pub meals and stuff sure. like everything's got gravy and you know sauce or all this kind of stuff so I just ate really clean then I started to notice that man food tastes good yeah you know and then I'd go to a pub and they'd put hollandaise sauce on something or I can't eat sauces now mm-hmm. if I get a wrap from somewhere I'm like no 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 sauce like I don't want mayonnaise like sure it's not that I'm a health freak or anything it's just I just eat healthy like yep. it's and like I said before like I, I come back from Europe because that was my biggest question to, um, to the Red Bull crew is I'm like, man, user got like a million dollar facility here. Like my name's on the TV screen telling me where I need to go, like to the laboratory to see if my, where my CK level is before mm-hmm. I start training, you know. And it just goes on. Like I'm doing 90 minutes, so I have got scabs on my ears from them taking uh, blood. Sure enough, you know, like to yeah. see where my lactic acid is at what heart rate. It, it just blew my mind yeah. but nothing about diet you mm-hmm. know we had a, a sports psych physio everyday didn't trainer. they just tell you to just eat whatever you wanted so I'd, I'm i just in there and I'm like like what about diet it's mm-hmm. so important yeah, yeah you just need to eat fresh mm-hmm. like yeah but how much like Absolutely. that's my biggest thing like I don't know how much do I eat because what I struggle with and the biggest thing I had problems with is like you said, I learnt about the low heart rate and I was just doing it because
3: They told you they, to.
2: Yeah, but yeah. they have <laughs> you know, after going there and being in that program, you're like, This is insane. Sure. I loved it. Yeah. Like just walk in, oh it felt like I was in the Olympics. Like a
1: no brainer, like you just could you just did what you were told. Yeah, like, you but didn't have to think about it. We don't
2: it. at the end of the day, I just was sixteen, they're just like, Here's a contract, man, you're getting paid to ride. This is what you get if you win. Yeah. Bonuses and stuff and I'm just like, Oh, this is sick. You know, next minute you're making half decent money and but there's no physio you know mm-hmm. i break my leg i'm in a moon boot for 13 weeks yeah soon as that thing's off i'm back racing yep. getting on the box yeah this is mad walk off with this gym sure. like so that was a big thing when i went there they they're just like you got imbalances here and there and your glutes aren't turning on all this yeah. stuff and i'm like like one leg's face like i walk mm-hmm. with this foot out and this one's straight like so, all of a sudden, I've gone from... I can't just go for a run in the forest anymore. Yep. Like, I've got to be... Did that be, shit
1: make you doubt yourself heaps that when you got there? Like, did you feel like you'd done, like, tons of shit wrong? Or did you just... Were you just like, oh, it is what it is. I'll just figure nah, it out. Nah,
2: because I don't have that mentality. And that might be, like, where you touched before, where you're saying, like, you've got 11-year-old kids that are, like, arguing with you. Yeah. For me, two years ago, I went over with Ben Townley and I spent... Well, he came come over to Australia, mm-hmm. so spent some time with us and and i did three days with him and he said afterwards he's like man and i'm still like i thank him for last year you know like i said i've had no one i've had no one Yep. i just think if i work harder than everyone i Mm -hmm. will get there yep you know i haven't had like you need to be doing this and that and it's pretty much i've had great support from my family to get to where i need to go but my old man's awesome with bikes and stuff but and with uh positivity you know there's never i come 11th you know good race mate you'll get him next time you know and then you're yeah we go he's not one drilling me to where i'm like man i don't want to do this so big big thing for me was um was never having that sort of like what i see in america Mm -hmm. like they're like this big man they got coaches for everything Mm Mm-hmm mental coaches all this sort of stuff like yeah and i'm thinking so the biggest thing when i got there and they're telling me i'm unfit my answer straight away is i'm like that's awesome mm-hmm.
1: they like because i'm doing good as it is yeah and yeah. they're like
2: what do you mean i'm like man i just got myself into fifth
3: imagine what we can do can we go up from here
2: like and i've always had that attitude so i wasn't i wasn't i don't have it where i'm like what would you know or anything like that yeah like i raced townley when he come back like that's when i was coming up I just started to find my feet mm-hmm. Ben was racing us and then he worked with me for three days and he was like man you got to get your hips back because I don't know style sure just sure. right man I'm just knowing to be the dude at the end of the race yeah I'm coming for You're you in. yeah right. it ain't pretty or anything don't care but I'm coming and my my style is quite straight back knees forward like Horrible style on a motorbike, you know, for that sort of stuff. I wouldn't say horrible, but yeah, but like it's your own style. Yeah, but I look at it like, yes, I'm very guys that sort of rides a little bit. Yeah, like he does too, actually. You
1: know, like I, I feel like it's. I don't know, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a horrible style.
2: Yeah, but like when you like when like, like you ben watch said
1: Ben to ride, like cause yeah, that's been the beat. Like I was saying to you this in yeah. the car. Like I've tried to change my. I never thought about my style either. I yep. just was like, oh, I just look fucking shit. But then with Ben, he, like, literally was telling me, and even just the other day, me riding that grass track in New Zealand, I was like, the only thing I did was, like, put my chin over the head, over the bar pad. Yep. Pretty much everywhere. Stand yeah. up, sit down. Made everything feel different. I was like, fuck, you've been riding 20-something years, and, like, this yeah. is the first time you've done this good. But Try like, me, man. Yeah. I can't <laughs> like, even imagine. I hey. was
2: there, you know. Because like,
1: Ben's so good with that shit, bro. Yeah. It's
2: crazy. But, like, he's, he said to me, like, man, you need to get your hips back. This is why, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... Okay. So I just exaggerated, man. I poked my ass up in the air. Like, I felt like I was actually retarded. Like, I was taking the piss, you know? (laughs) And I just poked my bum in the air, like, got my hips back, stood on my toes, dropped my heels and head forward. And I nearly flipped it through the rollers. No joke. I I got so much drive and (laughs) I nearly flipped the thing. And I just come back with my eyes like saucepans and Ben was just clapping. And I just that's all i do i just worked on that and then um for the three days and he's just like you look like a completely different rider Mm. like and he's like i'm amazed because you're so old you know like i was 26 or 27 at that stage racing professional since i was 16 so that's four four days a week yeah for how many uh, how many years years, doing that style you know and last year you know we're we're in a national races, like going down hills and stuff and i'm like i'd get into lead and i'd just be like yep okay stay on your toes drop your heels like come (laughs) out put your foot up like you know i'm fundamentals i'm analyzing my stuff and funny enough today i went for a trail ride and i was i was like man i went flat footed and i was like man it's not me anymore like it's i was like yes it's finally locked in because i've been doing some stuff like we did an up north tour and i i sort of say that to the kids i'm like i really look at tony caroli like he's there's a start i've got a photo where i'm going for a hole shot and i'm like guys i'm quite straight up like this arm straight and that Corollis just right here and his hips he's dropped his heels and his bum is at the back mud guard but his head is touching the bar the, pad yeah over the bar pad i'm way taller than him and i can't do that yeah and i stretch all the time and mm. you know i look at these guys and i'm just like and to answer your question before like like, I look at, like, Ben, and I'm, I look back, and I'm like, man, like, how come you couldn't tell me that when I was 16? Yeah. Like, honestly, because I'm that... I've always been that sort of dude. Someone tells me something, and I do it, because I haven't had it. Right. Like, I don't have someone drilling me all the time, where mm-hmm. these kids, you just see them, and they're just like, oh, this guy's pulled me up, he's going to tell me this. Thing. Like, yeah. You know, I've always had, oh, mate, you look awesome. Like, mate, you know, because I've won a lot of races through my career, and it was never really a thing so when someone said it i was like oh what is this good is this what i'm doing yeah and that's what i'm like with my training like with everything like heart rate oh yeah i'll do 130 heart rate that's sweet and um so that's the biggest thing that i've found through my career is is things like that where because i haven't been drilled it makes the fire really yeah really strong
1: yeah there'd be a balance because like you know, you'd work with some little fucking assholes and oh, yeah. asshole parents, and it's like, yeah, they might be getting all of the best info, the best knowledge, and then just like pissing it into the wind. Yeah, and it might make them like kind of fast to a point, and you've yep. gotten a lot of guys to a point, and then they've dropped you or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And but then it's like that. There's just not a longevity in that. You know, like you look at you, you won your first national championship at what twenty seven. Yeah, and it's like you know you probably wish you had a bit more of that but if you had a bit more of that maybe you wouldn't have ended up where you are now so it's like it is it's for sure a, a balancing act though of you know because there's that many of the spoiled kids that have had everything and never done anything with it so i don't know oh, massive. it's definitely like a there's a balance to it for sure
2: massive and for me it's and everybody's different yeah. you know and i look at all these different guys and the guys that i've raced and and become friends with in europe you know like max nagel like you've got caroli mm. these guys they've been riding bikes but not not like us in australia mm. like i live near the beach you know yeah on my day off i go surfing with my fiance. Sure like enough. you know like i have a ripper life here in australia and that's what opened my eyes up over there it's like jill and i'd go for a cycle and she'd turn around and go home halfway through because she couldn't handle how cold it was on your hands mm-hmm. you know we're going for a, you know a 90 minute rec- uh, recovery cycle after a gp that we've just flown from argentina and it's taken 36 hours with three stopovers Ugh. like but then the, the the time on the bike like and that's where we go back to the heart rate stuff jace like you know i've just stumbled across all this stuff yeah. like i explained to rob like i didn't go to uni i don't know all this sort of stuff but i've experienced it yeah like it's it's a different kind of feeling i guess and that's funny enough last night i was saying to jill i was like just laying there in bed i was like man you know it's working like i didn't get to do this like ken roxon was in that program when he was 12 yeah because the same people who were working with me they had Ken coming through when he was on the Suzuki with Red Bull the mm-hmm. whole way through. Yeah, you at like, Jorge you know? Prado, Prado, yep. Hurlings. So these guys, you know, they've got that. And that was the weirdest feeling when I got my first GP podium. Like, I stand up there and I'm like, like, it was my 10th ever GP in my career. Like, world champion. Not MX2, nothing, just that was going it, yeah. in. 10th ever race, I'm on the podium. I'm like, this isn't right. Like, you know. Sure. Like, you got shouldn't like, be possible it isn't possible <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. like honestly like I. to you guys like i just learned about heart rate zones like like three months ago man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like it's really stupid and that's what kind of i guess i look at it and i'm like man it would have my potential could have been really good you know like that um like yeah my career is fine like I was just going to be a cabinet maker so I'm you know? ants <laughs> sure, sure like like Jace knows like I'm out there I've just welded up benches in our workshop like if I'm not doing that I'm doing up a car or you know yeah. probably putting a kitchen in my house or yeah, like riding fully, and stuff I like,
1: could fully envision your life in Atherton yeah. like I know exactly that if you weren't pro like I know the exact person <laughs> that you would be like because you are that dude you just actually do race bikes yeah
2: so it's like it's really strange for me to see these guys that you know when Villapoto was over there and we did a signing like he's he wasn't enjoying it you know Mm -hmm. and that made me feel sad like Mm. we're at the Nations and and the eyes that he was looking through were like completely different to mine you know
1: it's crazy when you can notice that eh?
2: yeah like I'm like honestly and I'm really big on that now like like hang on a second you're giving a real bad vibe you need to go stand right over there Mm. you know yeah absolutely like I just like having a good time, you know, because I don't want to hear about, oh, man, don't get paid enough or this or that or anything. Like, man, you should go make kitchens. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get paid much and you, Bust yeah, ass. yeah, you're not sitting on 180 heart rate while you're riding a motorbike, but poor you for doing that. Exactly. I think it's
3: mad. Yeah, <laughs> it's an opportunity for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because my heart breaks for you because when they, when they say to you, hey, you're really good, you're just not in good shape. Yeah. And I, when whenever we do our baseline assessments, it doesn't matter what athlete we're working with—triathlete, motocross—doesn't really matter. I always say to him, "You're in great shape. You're just not in good shape to race motocross." And I've probably <laughs> said that more times than I've not. Because, yeah, but you're not German. Well, <laughs> yeah. But the, the challenging part is—is is they get offended instead of being looking at it as, like you say, it's. And I get accused of being the glass always half full. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why does it always have to be half empty? Yeah, It's interesting when, and and we talked about this off the record as well, when an ex-pro now becomes a nutritionalist and a psychologist and a (laughs) a physio, I I have a problem with that. I teased about this on the show last time. I have a 250F. I've read the manual. I don't think I should be able to spin wrenches for you professionally. (laughs) It just doesn't make me, you know, it's not my position. But when you look at the functional strength, that's what we do with our workshops and camps is exactly what you're talking about. If you can't get into that position the way you describe Caroli and let's say Ben's your riding coach, my responsibility and moral obligation is to get you to understand a why you can't do what Ben is asking you to do, whether it's a strength and or a flexibility issue, then empower you with the resources so you can do what Ben is saying. Mm. That's it. But like yeah, we were it saying before, be that simple, huh? Well, as we were saying before the start of the show, I have to. I'm not dishing on the United States, but. At home, all I get is arguments. No disrespect to your dad that's a carpenter, but I'll have a carpenter or someone who lays concrete that will argue <laughs> with me about physiology.
2: Yeah.
3: And it's like, okay, so I hired you to build me a kitchen, or I hired you to lay yeah. some concrete, and now I'm going to come out and tell you how to do your job. And because they're paying a check, they think, well, because I'm paying you, you're going to continue to browbeat me until I do what I'm going to continue to say and do the things that you're regurgitating. no. And just like we were saying before we started the show, I mean, we've had to part ways with facilities. We've had to part ways with individuals where, look, I'm not saying that I know everything. If I don't know it, I will get you the answer. But my responsibility is that you understand why we're doing it, whether it's the listeners talking, you know, listen to us on the show. It kills me to think that 99 percent of society feels they have to have a Red Bull deal and i've seen some of the red bull reports i've heard some of the red bull reports we worked with ashley phyle when she was with red bull i didn't get a chance to you know keep them because it's you know private information i was on the olympic team for the sport of triathlon i was on the junior development program exactly that they sit in a round table excuse me they sit in a room around a table and they're disseminating information well the thing that i always say about the olympic training center is they're not they have no agenda Mm. Their results. Yeah, that's what their worry. whole agenda yeah, is care. results. Yeah. So they're not going to argue with you of whether or not you're going to sleep a lot. Mm. They're telling you to sleep. They're going to evaluate. Now, this is before heart rate monitors. We slept with electrodes on our head. It was so barbaric. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> it was really bad. They'd follow us into the cafeteria. They were like, you're going to eat this and you're going to eat this. I mean, it was like it was, it's pretty barbaric. The, my, my point in all of this is it was non-negotiable. It was, mm-hmm. you're going to do it because we know it works. You don't know what you don't know. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you had the experience yeah. with the Germans, it's like, just kind of shut up and do what we say. I'm not, bar, I'm not very brash that way. I'm not, I want you to know why you do, I use it as a mushroom analogy. I don't want you to feel like you're covered sh- you know, kept in the dark and covered in shit all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go deep and understand all the physio, but you need to have confidence as to, before you start any workout, know why you're doing the workout. How does this workout contribute to what we're doing today? How does that contribute in a week? How does that contribute in a six-week training cycle? How does this contribute to a 12-month plan, especially with a race schedule that he has to maintain? Mm. But if you take it deeper, if we didn't get nine hours of sleep, if we didn't show that we ate enough, if we didn't show that we did, let's call it foam rolling, we were kicked off the team. Mm. It's non-negotiable. This, it's not if you want to do it. It's you're going to do it, and if you don't do it, the only option is dismissal. Mm. We've got a bunch of other people. There's a lot of guys that would love to have his job. Mm-hmm. So don't sit here and argue with me about it. And that's the thing. At the Olympic Training Center, we're not getting paid to be there. This was before yeah. Olympic athletes could be paid. So it was a privilege. I like. I love your attitude. It's like, dude, you're racing a dirt bike, Yeah. and you're complaining about it? Like you said, go work a real job for a year and then come back and tell me how hard that 180 workout is. Uh, and I get really, really frustrated and I talk about this a lot. Don't complain to me that you've got 17 Supercross races that you've got to go to. <laughs> when you've been training and racing and wanted to have a factory deal for mm. since you were 11, yeah. you know, and then complain to me that you have to be on a flight three days a week. You knew it when you were 11. You knew it when you were 12. You knew it when you were 15. And now you've got a contract. Now you're complaining you've got to go test with Mitch at the test track with Bones. You're complaining about this? And I guess to me, it's more of like, are you surprised that this mm. is part of the job? I used to love talking with Ricky about this, you know. When you look at Ricky's helmet, you know, he had Air Nautique, he had Kicker, you know. Every one of those stickers is more and more and more obligations. Mm. He's like, no, why would I want to do that? How about just go out and win on the weekend, get a nice hefty bonus that surpasses what these little stickers are paying me, anyways? Mm. But I don't have to go do the signing, and I don't have to do a photo shoot, and I don't have to. They just somebody else cutting into your schedule. Mm. But again, are you? Everybody wants the sponsors. Are you willing? Does your behavior match your desirable outcome? That's what I have a frustration with. Mm-hmm. It's not like you went into the sport and you might have to do suspension testing. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's
1: an off chance that we could need you to test at some point <laughs> at in some your career. At some point, yeah. Nah, bro, you're testing every fucking week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Deal with it. And you're complaining about <laughs> yeah. it.
3: I mean, and we could talk about a couple people that have you know been have been fined and penalized for not showing up for testing sessions because of a multitude of reasons. Some of them have probably been on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you look back in the States, some of the most highly talented guys that never made it because of poor choices and decisions that also paid some of the biggest fines for not showing up for testing. Mm-hmm. Are you really surprised? But that's another subject in itself, but it goes back to it's non and it's a non-negotiable. We have watches now that Literally, I can look at your computer dashboard and I can look at hours of sleep, deep sleep. We've got MyFitnessPals on your phone that with your permission I can log into. I can take your computer dashboard, look at your burn rate versus your consumption rate. I can avoid this diseased platform that we're creating. I I always say this, and I don't want this to sound snide at all. The military doesn't wait until you wreck a $500 million plane to go, okay, now that you've crashed it, Let's go figure out how we can avoid that. Mm. But yet people will come to me once their system is diseased or they have an ailment, can't sleep, have night sweats, simple sugar, all the signs of adrenal fatigue. And you've got someone like Todd who, his results drive his next contract. Mm. So now he works in a mode of fear because all right, I've only got a one year deal. Oh man, the results aren't where I want.
1: So Which is like a stress hormone kind of thing. So you're like exactly. living in like a fight or flight mode. Which isn't like the optimal way for your system to live.
3: Go back to what we talked about, running the motor low on oil, running the radiator low, stressing a system. So now he's working in a fear-based mode. Now he's concerned that he's not going to get re-signed. Results aren't where he wants to be. Do you think he wants to hear me say, you know what you need to do, Todd? Add two hours work of less. sleep. Work less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on more yeah. 130 rides and less 180 rides. Yeah. He's like, "F you, I'm not performing the way I think I, I should." How, yeah. And my contract, and I've got my agent, and my all these people are all breathing down my throat. That's why I don't become popular with these guys, mm. because I'm here. I'm not here to tell him what he wants to hear. I'm telling him what we can do to turn those circumstances around. Anyone a listener, weekend warrior, you know, a vet rider, an up and comer, or a pro. Physiology doesn't care who you are. Mm. I can't argue with the law of physics, just like I can't argue with the law of physiology. Mm. What doesn't make me popular is I'm going to always base his workouts based on biofeedback. Big way of saying heart rate, hours of sleep, appetite, consistent performance. If I see those performance areas, and I don't care anybody that's listening to the show, it doesn't matter if you're going out and riding for 15 minutes with your mates on the weekend. That's what you want to do, that's awesome. I want you to have fun doing it, not get tired and reduce your risk of injury. Mm. The physiology applies to him. It applies to your dad that's a cabineter, you know, makes cabinets and a carpenter, as well as you want to go out and make a living as, as, as racing a bike. Mm. But the problem is, is you get into agendas. We talked a little bit about this before the show. As a coach, one of my biggest platforms that I'm trying to push right now is coach accountability. You know, Todd just said it himself, Ben Townley's great. We've been talking with Ben. We're trying to put some things together for him and his writers. Ben is one of the few that gets it, Mm. understands his his limitations. He understands his boundaries. He knows where his line stops and someone else's begins.
1: He also has like zero ego too. So it's like easy for that shit to happen when you're not like blinded by thinking that you're better or, you know what I mean? Like any of that ego shit that comes into it because that's really what it is.
3: Well, my whole thing about it is, to me, I don't believe... If you look at Todd and Todd starts to get some help from somebody, what's the agenda of that person helping? Mm. That's my biggest question. Where's the, where, let's just use the word generically coach. Where's the coach's accountability? Because if I'm roaching Todd's adrenals, I should somehow be responsible for that. Mm. Financial ramification, he throat punches me, something, okay? But the problem is, is He's a pussy. I'm the expert. <laughs> And so here's Todd, like he said, and I appreciate how humble you are. Hey, I don't have the education in this. I'm willing to listen. I you know, I work hard. Like you said, I'll outwork anybody. So you take somebody who's not knowledgeable, who wants to make it about them. Mm. So if I say, look, no gluten, no sugar, no, 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 what well, becomes about me? You're not going to have any fun. No fishing. Don't go out with your, your fiance. Nothing. You're going to do nothing but what I say. Well, it's about me. Yeah if he's showing signs of stress, I need to fix that. That's just that cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously I have to earn his trust. I have to be able to get the, the parameters because all of us work in a world of four quadrants, personal, professional, financial, and athletic. I can only influence the fourth quarter. I influence that with frequency, duration, and intensity. So when I'm saying, Todd, your body is showing that it's overstressed. I don't know what's going on personally, professionally, or financially. But I could, if I can earn his trust and he can confide in me, I can adjust some of this. Hey, right now things aren't going too well in one of those three quadrants. Is this the week that we're gonna decide that we're going to do 10 by 2K kilometers on the rower, on the bicycle? We're going to go out and we're going to do some negative split motos on the motorcycle? That doesn't make any sense. That's irresponsible as a coach. I don't care that the rest of your life is in shambles. It's all about me, buddy. Mm. We're going to the track. We're going to the gym. We're going to do it. We're going to hammer it. Even though his heart rate's elevated, his appetite's suppressed, not trying to embarrass him, he can't get an erection, signs of adrenal He's fatigue. Had that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and that's the problem if your listeners are good about. They don't get caught up on the sensitivity of the subject. Look, if you've got night sweats, you can't sleep and you're tired, you're craving simple sugars and you have low sex drive, dude, you've got all four of the big ones. Yeah. If you've got one of the four, you've got the onset of adrenal fatigue. Wake up, address it. The problem is, is most men won't admit that something's wrong and when it comes to fixing it it's so unmanly eat more sleep more because if you if for any of the listeners again who have a piece of paper draw a straight line and, and draw a triangle in the middle of it you're just making a teeter-totter on the left side make a big square divide it in four parts personal professional financial and athletic the only thing that balances because that that box is called stress yeah that's it it's in one of those four quadrants that you're dealing with every minute of every day is in those four quadrants the only way you can keep balanced. Is sleep and food. Mm. Now you mentioned going fishing and doing things like that, but it's still all balancing act. Yeah, because so f- they're
1: going to stress the system, even if it's like light activity. Or that's whatever. exactly yeah.
3: it. So, and where I was going with with Todd getting, you know, getting some information, I also understand that there's a lot of asshole trainers out there that have over extended themselves outside the boundaries of where the wheelhouse should have been. Mm-hmm. And let's say that because I was in a factory rig or you know, I worked with so-and-so and so-and-so, I was an ex-mechanic, that always cracks me up. Um, the idea now is the athlete pays the price because he hired an expert. This guy supposedly has been there has done that, right? So now Todd Trussett gives up two years of a valuable career only to find out that now his system is roached. Mm-hmm. That guy moves on. He moves on to another rider. He moves on to another team. You now have teams that hire these so-called experts. So I'll pick up a rider, take them through their amateur career. I'm not allowed to work with them when they go pro because the team has a contract yeah. with somebody. And that person does not have the credentials to be doing what they're doing. So, again, I go back to, and I don't want somebody who hears me for the first time go, man, he's an arrogant prick. I'm not trying to sound that way. I don't think I should be hired to spin wrenches for Todd, yeah. even though I read my manual. I don't think that a team, quote unquote, trainer without the credentials, where I had somebody that I worked with, he signed with a team, and my athlete did a great job. He said to me, he says, Rob, I have to move on to the other trainer. I said, dude, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's your job, it's part of your contract. I respect that. I said, you just need to be able to humbly ask why you're doing every workout. Mm. That's what I've always challenged him. If you don't know what you're going out to do, and when I do your training schedule, Every workout, I literally put workout notes, why we're doing it, what the benefit of it is, what you can expect, even if it's going to be an LT workout, lactate threshold, hey, come to this workout ready to go to the house of pain. Yeah, Not a negative, but if we know that your LT needs to be improved, this workout is to eliminate that weakness. Get your head straight first, then approach it. It's not going to feel good because you're not good at it. You're not good at it because you don't like it. So that's what he did. First week, he, he moved to a new facility first week he asked the trainer, he goes, why are we doing this? And he put his finger in his chest. He goes, you don't ever ask me again, why we're doing anything. I'm like, dude, I'd have packed my bags and told him to go fly a kite Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I work for Todd. Todd needs to know why. And if I can't explain it to Todd, then I failed him as a, as a physiologist. Mm -hmm. That's where we go back to coach accountability. I believe, and, and I mean this sincerely, and I don't, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. If Todd ever got diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, I should have to give every dollar back that he's ever given me. Mm. Whenever I do a pro contract, I only do it on bonuses because I don't think I should tap into his salary. I should be getting compensated when he does Mm. well and only when he does well. This whole idea, especially back in the States, these man friends, dude, really? Really? I mean, in all fairness, and I'm not trying to name drop, one of my best, you know, one of the riders I loved working with was Ian Treadle when he was with Suzuki. And when he went from amateur, because that's when Bobby's program was Suzuki, it was Jason Anderson and Ian. And Ian moved out to California to move in with Brock Tickle. And so Bobby, you know, Ian's like, Rob, you've got to come out to California. Well, I have two little boys at the time. I'm not moving to California for anybody, and I'm nobody's man, friend. I'm nobody's trophies coach. Yeah. I'm not going to go to the movies with you. I'm not going to sit out there and hold your pit board. I don't do that. I'm more than happy to go to the gym with you to make sure that you're working out correctly. I'll go on bike rides with you because I like to work out. I like to, you know, shoot the shit. Like, to, like if we're doing a low intensity ride where we're we'll ride shoulder to shoulder, we'll get three hours in together. Because I'm never going to ask. And this is one thing. This is another challenge. I never ask my athletes to do anything that I wouldn't do. Mm. Now, I can't blitz the whoops like him, but I'll go ride. But I also will go bike with him, I'll go swim with him, I'll go lift with him, I'll go foam roll with him. I would never ask him to do anything that I won't do. While we're doing it, I want him to understand why he's doing it, why. When that bike rolls into the starting grid, what in the hell is confidence? We can't taste it, we can't see it, we can't feel it. But when it's not there, you can certainly see it. Mm. Well, that's my, if I look at everything that I do for an athlete, nutrition, strength, training, flexibility. At the end of the day, I've got to make sure his brain develops in line with his physiological adaptation. So when he rolls into that gate, he knows why he's done what he's done. He knows what he's done to get there. And it's pretty simple. When he wins, he doesn't have to work in a mode of fear because he looks back and he knows exactly what he did to get there Mm. so that we just keep building on that platform. That's where a coach's responsibility needs to be a little bit more, I think, accountable. Mm. Explain to me why we're doing it. Show me the training schedule. You know, like you said, you didn't go to uni for it. That's fine. Periodization can be explained very simply. So and if, it's
1: not like you need, as an athlete, you need to know like every single like ins and outs and right. all the, know all the terminology. But like he should you be allowed to like ask a, a question why. Yeah, you just need like a concept of like what it is and, and how it helps,
3: Hey, But all of a sudden I get my, my feathers in a wad because he's questioned me. He's not mm. questioning, he's asking for clarification. Mm. What the hell's wrong with that? You know, our services with our pro contracts, we're asking for a percentage of his bonus. You don't think he deserves to be able to ask me why we're doing what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And then if I can't explain it, how can I cash that check with any kind of confidence? Mm-hmm. That's, that's completely immoral. And that's where I want to get into coach accountability. There's a lot of athletes that in good faith have hired somebody get roached. Mm. That other person moves on and continues to do it to this day. I talked to you about it off the record. That scares me. You know, there's a couple people that are using coaches that have a track record of destroying athletes. And I don't understand that. Mm. I say this very humbly. I've never had an athlete ever get diagnosed with a disease and I've never had an athlete not finish a race, whether that's a triathlon, a running race, a mountain bike race, because I will always bring Todd into a race and a series of races under-trained before I'll allow him to go in Mm over-trained. If he's got a seven-race series, yeah, we're going to come in fighting at round one, but we're going to be in it all the way to the end. Versus, and this is one of the things I think you're seeing back in the States, they're so over-stressed before the season begins. That's why you see the attrition rate. This is my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. Chronically tired, chronically dehydrated, being told that they've got to be lean to get the whole shot, so now they're calorically restricted. Now you've got The body's in complete disarray. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Why? I mean, there isn't a supercross season or a motocross season that we've had 100% completion. And some people may, that's a really foolish comment, Rob. You don't know moto? I've been in moto since 78. I get moto. Okay. But when you look at the nature of the accidents, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, when AC whiskey throttled and he hit that wall, that was a pretty big hit. Well, he shouldn't have been shattered the way he was shattered. That's a fragile body that hit a wall, and then you look at his chronic injury since then.
4: Mm.
3: Now he's changed programs; he's a little bit more durable. Look at how he landed last last weekend in that whoop section. If he wasn't durable, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be talking and walking right now. Mm. I seriously think he'd be in ICU. But he's he's really worked on building his muscle mass so he can take those impacts. He's worked on his flexibility; he can take that you know scorpion mm. type of stuff. But to land flat back in the whoops like that. Yeah, he like you he said, he's hurting, but he's walking.
1: He races next weekend. His championships teenage- mm, not done.
3: That's exactly right.
1: um So what what would be like right now? Your biggest questions about like where you'd need to go, or what's like the biggest holes you think you have to kind of get better when it comes to this kind of stuff.
2: Biggest thing for me is the sleep. Like that's. So what, what was
1: it like? Because you've got a cool story of when you listened to that podcast mm. and then you started tracking your sleep. So what was it first? Because you were just like, <laughs> you were tripping out, <laughs> eh,
2: right? Well, Rob, just refresh my memory with that. Was it three to four
3: hours of, of deep sleep a night? What Our goal saying? is to get two. Oh, two. Yeah, it's to get two. But what happened was he had just, per- if I'm not mistaken, don't let me put words in your mouth. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you had just bought a new watch And so what happens is when you get a new watch, we've got to realize that these watches are building a a database on us. So every day you wear it, it gets more and more Mm fine-tuned. So when you first get a new watch, it's like out of nine hours, seven and a half was deep sleep. So poor Todd's like, oh, my gosh, you know, why am I getting three hours of deep sleep? And then it kind of started, we started to adjust from there, if my story was correct.
2: No, but I thought thought you said more deep sleep because I was – for some reason, I had in my mind that it was like three hours of deep sleep, yeah. And I would get like twenty minutes, yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god,
3: I've this is what's wrong." I'd like to do. Well, that just to actually. clarify, <laughs> if it's over two, that's just that's money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. I usually struggle just getting somebody, as you experienced, to get up to two hours yeah. of deep sleep. And, and not getting technical to the listeners, but we also look at the number of sleep cycles. Mm. And if you look at that dashboard, you'll see where it goes deep sleep. Yep. Then it'll go to transition. Excuse me. It'll go deep, light, transitional. Yep. And every transition is a sleep cycle. And your goal is to get at least five sleep cycles a night. Now, there's some arguments that it's eight. I'm not getting into all that on the air. But
1: Got a little book here that I'm going to start. There. There's like a that Matt Walker, Walk Why Are We Sleep book. Yeah. You to get into note. You should read that, too, if you want. Yep. Yeah, it you. but you're
3: exactly right. The goal was to get two plus. If you're yeah. able to get that consistently and you've been wearing your watch for, let's say, six or eight months and you yeah. know that the data is relatively accurate, then that's great. I mean, it's mm-hmm. awesome. My experience has been most struggle to just get to two hours. And the reason being is once you get into deep sleep, that's where your body releases HGH and testosterone. Yeah. And for the listener that says, oh, I'm not an elite athlete. Think about this. HGH is the hormone that makes you lean. Testosterone is besides the obvious. Testosterone also increases red cell produ- production, well, that's where you carry your hemoglobin, which is a precursor to carrying oxygen. So people look at sleep and go, "Oh, sleep is for the weak." No, it's the exact opposite. Those mm. w- we have some professional runners that sleep sixteen hours a day.
2: Yeah, and cyclists, right? They mm-hmm. just ride sleep. Ride that's all sleep. they do. Yep. on eat. But, but
1: yet- so how do you? Where, so where do you start, and then? like sleep wise and then has it gotten better for you over time like since you started monitoring it
2: yeah so like good for me is like i need to be above one one hour of deep sleep obviously um the best i've had is two hours and funny enough that was the night of um our championship race wow really how cool is that so yeah. the night before the championship was the best yeah. best, best night. sleep i've ever had <laughs> oh that's fucking <laughs> which gnarly, is dude. so that was so we had a two-day event so a bit like a gp okay so we had one so it's two rounds of the championship so saturday's one sunday's the okay. next day and it's the sand track which oh is yeah you won like every real.
1: moto in practice that's why you yeah, slept good
2: <laughs> like but it was like a just a perfect weekend all round. like you know i, I prepared myself really well mentally i was there i was very Mm empty-minded so when i sat on the start line there was no thoughts in my head it was just gate 32nd board like it was let's execute and that's what i really worked on and like you said about going into a championship my whole career like i was the kid that i hopped on a 450 when i was 18 Mm. and all the guys come back from the states mcfarlane all them and i won i had the red plate you know then injured next round red plate injured but i come there to the first round I'm going to win, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the last round for the championship is how I treated the first round, you know, that's just my young mentality. And that's, uh, what makes me who I am, you Mm -hmm. know, and, but what I did last year differently was, I was like, now we read some cycle, like my chicks right into, um, she needs to know why, you know, I'll come home because in Australia it's the best, you know, oh, so-and-so reckons this you know oh, i should be doing this why like yeah. because she's very highly educated you know mm-hmm. she's much like yourself like question it what's the research behind this mm-hmm. i'll look it up yep. you know like great examples my old man with um there's a there's a plant called comfrey okay right and this is a good one we laugh about it <laughs> now this plant and it's known and like you get this plan it's like a thing and you you what do you do you put it on a rag and you heat it up and you wrap it with glad wrap and you actually get Comfrey tablets and oil okay so yeah there is a thing there mm-hmm. but he's he'll have a bruise on his leg you know and he'll wrap his leg in this and he's just like come out and he's like oh it's way better like you know and that's the mentality here sure. in Australia so um yeah I got lost the way I am
1: so yeah then Jill looked it up probably yeah
2: so that's where like Jill really helps me mm-hmm. to be like now i'm like hang on a second like what's the research behind this like what is all this who's saying this like obviously if you're telling me about sleep i'm like man i've missed all this Mm -hmm. you know like like i touched before like with the diet thing like like i know in america it's very you analyze a lot you know Mm -hmm. and i found when i did that it was almost like because i'm very all or nothing Mm -hmm. that's it like I'm training it's all in you yeah. know like i'm gonna be a pro motorbike right all in like that's how i am so when i went counting calories you know all this kind of stuff it was all in and then it was almost i almost get a feeling like um i quickly got to ride my bike and oh how many calories I like you know it almost took focus away from what i needed to do exactly yep and that's what i struggled with with the whole you know then i'm like oh i wonder how much this like i need to weigh i was weighing food Mm -hmm. like i was weighing food to eat for breakfast and counting the calories of it all and adding it all up to make sure that i was eating enough on these big two three hour cycles and you know so i actually found that all that for me personally because i'm not used to that kind of stuff sure it's not me that i kind of could realize what they were saying at red bull for myself like they were like oh yeah just eat healthy blah blah blah." because at the end of the day Todd it's like two percent and I was like no it's not two percent it's not I know I know when I go if I go and eat maccas no good that's right I hate maccas like any of that sort of food I'm just like drive past I'm like what how are these people eating this stuff the Mm -hmm. only time I'll go in there is to get a chicken wrap with no sauces on it after Supercross,
3: because there's nothing open. That's what I was gonna say, because it's the only thing that's open. Yeah, exactly. You've got difference. to eat something. Yep, exactly. But
2: that's the biggest thing that I found, and I guess I'm twenty. I'm twenty-eight years old, and I feel like I'm sixteen. Like that's awesome. I'm like I just I go. I was in the hills riding my bike this afternoon. I was talking to an old man on the way home, and just like, man, this thing's awesome. Like I love the Husqvarna motorcycle. I love everything about it, and I see justin brayton i've had a bit to do with justin Mm -hmm. when he comes over for supercross and and he's at a high level in america and in you know in the supercross series and stuff and and he's not young anymore you Mm -hmm. know but that's one thing that i see why he's still going and he's so determined and and i think he allows himself to do that is because everything's not to the 100 Mm percent. i don't know Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, obviously you see, like,
1: you got Dunge that did that. Like, he did everything, especially, like, on the Alden program, was just, like, so, so gnarly, so focused, everything. But it, there's, like, not sustainability in that. You well, know, you've kind of got to, like... I think that if you're going to push to this, that 150% focus, then there's... You, you've you got to go into it knowing that, all right, I might be able to do three years of this. Yeah. You're not going to be 35 race yep. and Supercross the way that Brayton is yep. with that mentality, I don't think.
3: Well, when you bring up Brayton, the biggest thing you have to think about with Brayton is what we refer to as athletic durability. I think as you get older, I think if you look at the sport of triathlon, you know, especially here in Australia, you guys have had Craig Alexander, Chris McCormick, they've gone unstamped mm. Ironman Hawaii. Yep. They made it their playground and they were in the prime of their career. They weren't 26 years old. You know, they were, they're very durable. They, they have the experience. They've got the head case. Uh, they've, they've got it all you know when I was working with Dunge the the problem that we have with Dunge is he got frustrated with the structure that's why I was surprised when he went to Alden I'm not surprised that he's already dropped the dropped out of the sport because mm-hmm. the structure was just too much the results were there that's great but why do we not see him anymore and that breaks my heart yeah. and I don't want that to sound soft to anybody who doesn't know me from Adam I'm just saying I wanted to see sustainability I say it with all my athletes I, I adhere to the KISS program keep it simple and sustainable and a lot of stuff that we do, yeah, we may not win every single moto, but we're going to be in it for the season, and we'll mm. be in it for seven seasons instead of two seasons. Now, that's my mantra. I sleep very good at night knowing that I haven't overextended him, because I'll never put his performance in front of his health, ever. That doesn't always make me popular, and I'm cool. That's, I've been terminated for it, including mm. Dunge. I'm okay with that. The thing that I always look at is, and you mentioned that whole confidence thing, you rolled into that gate, you were confident. Mm. It goes back to what is confidence? You said hey I knew what I had done you know I was you, you kind of briefly talked about hey I went into that every weekend you stamped it lowest yep. lowest heart rate you know you've got the most deep sleep ever does that not just scream volume the most deep sleep you ever got was on a weekend of that magnitude but I
2: shouldn't have that on a race weekend normally you don't get any sleep on a race
3: weekend. but to me it just shows it's almost like you if I had seen that sleep data I could have told you that was the weekend that we were gonna slay it mm. because all fire all cylinders yeah. are firing on on eight but what becomes important is when that weekend is over. Do we know what created that environment? Yeah, I was
1: gonna say, like, do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what led you to like having that that good of sleep? And have you been able to sort of match it since then? Or
2: no. So that's the thing. That's that's the key point. And that for me is that relaxed, that really relaxed mentality, and giving your the, yourself the opportunity to do your job. That's my biggest thing. Is You know, when you've got an old man there walking the start line with you like, you need to get the start. Like, focus on the start. This and that. And you've got mechanics and all this stuff. You're like, hang on a second, guys. During the week, I burnt out three clutches, man. Yeah. Because I've done that many starts. It's not funny. Yous aren't changing anything. Like you said, who are yous to say? Like, all this stuff. Do you think I go to the start line going... I want to get a shit start. I'm just going to go and get a real shit start. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I'm just going to fill my goggles with dirt. I'm going to get some in my mouth. Like, no, no, you go there and it just so happens that you get a shit start. Yeah, It's not anything. It's probably because all of these people aren't there during the week to help you do your job where they should be. And that's my biggest thing last year and that's where I sort of got lost was every morning I write down, I have a sheet and we got this from the cycling. They have cycling diaries. Mm -hmm. And um, so Jill's formulated a thing where you know, one to ten, sleep, um, you know, readiness for training, blah 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 blah, like fatigue, this and that. Yep. One out of ten, and then you you get a score sixty, let's say. Then you times it by what do you do? Times it, times it by a hundred, divide it by eighty, and it gives you your your like your percentage. Yep. So I'm going into. People would have heard me last year, like, going the first round. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm at 60%, guys, you know, I'm building for the championship. From round five, I'm going to start going for race wins, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm winning super poles, we're winning races, but I'm at 60%. Based,
1: is that based on your numbers that you were giving yourself, like your scores that you were yeah. giving yourself in the mornings?
2: Yeah. So, you know, like, how do you feel today, you know? Mm. Well, my, my, I know I get my phone every morning. My sleep okay, I got 40 minutes of sleep. That's crap. Oh, so 40 I get a sleep. minutes of deep sleep. Yeah, Whatever. deep sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I get eight hours, eight and a half hours of sleep, 40 minutes of deep sleep. That's not so good. You know, or blah, blah, blah. And all this, what I found with that is, a little bit like you say, is you go off numbers. Like you go, there's nothing else you can record. Right. You go off heart rate because what else are you going to record it from an athlete? It's just like mechanics go off for dyno. Like mm. my bike's got sixty-two horsepower. You know, when it left to go to round one, when it come home, it's only got fifty-eight. What's going on? You know, like everyone Absolutely. goes off numbers. Yep. You know, so for me, that's what I do, and then I go to the race. How do you think you feel when you go to a race and you win a round, and you're like, I'm at sixty-eight percent. You know, mm. like I've got a lot left in the tank. Like I'm. Don't get me wrong. You go in the race and you're putting in. Yeah, yeah. But like the thing that helped me last year was like I explained. It was instead of having that tunnel vision, like I would get myself into the lead and then I'd go, okay, think what Ben said. Hips back, drop the drop the heels. Oh man, I nearly flipped it. You know, like yeah. I, honestly, sure, you'd hate to hear me going around a racetrack. Like it is i try and simplify things so much but to be in the moment Mm -hmm. like that's a big thing for me so what would you used to think about used to
1: yeah when you are
2: shit for one the pressure of the team you know so when i talk about having a good group of people around you at the end of the day last year dbh won both championships why is that you know they people say oh man like they don't do this, that, blah blah blah. At the end of the day, we turned up to the race, and Dale and Tash gave us the opportunities to show everyone what we did during the week. You know, that's just what happened.
1: That's it. They're not trying to manufacture things. No. They're not trying to like, I guess, like even like Rob was saying, you know, they're not trying to like be, uh, like what are they? You know, what's Dale really qualified to do on race day in yeah. terms of? Because that's what like Bobby Hewitt a motherfucker ain't going to tell you shit
3: yeah. about
1: what you should do. Like, he is really a lot like that. He'll just, you go around there, the vibe's great with him. Like, he'll be like, yeah, man, not nah, good. Yep, yeah. what do you need? You." It's not like this overbearing. Oh, yeah. Because it's good guy. you're right about when you're saying that. Like, that is for them. Like, when somebody goes to the race and they're like, do this, do that. It's like, that's just for them. Like, mm. they, they feel good about telling somebody what to do or or whatever it is but it's like that hands-off approach and it's just like hey man i'm just really i'm just here to fucking bring your bikes to the race and give you make sure you got some good food and some air con in there if you want to like the rest is on you like you're the rider you know Yeah, but But that's not the norm but think about
3: what you said though because that's how his dad was Yeah, he's like hey you're doing good because your dad sounds like a cool guy you're his son before you were an elite racer and he's never lost perspective on that then you've got Bobby who owns a team and is like you know just want to keep you comfortable and happy and Mm. you're there going I just want to be better Mm. that to me is where there's a void because at the end of the day, when you break all this down, I don't want him counting his grams. I don't want him having to think.
1: Well, like if you're his trainer, that should be your job, right? That's exactly our mm, job.
3: Yeah. We are an analytics company. If you looked at what we do every morning, we scrape. You know, th- I'm a big fan of Garmin for a multitude of reasons. Mm. So, and I don't, I'm not a brand ambassador. I don't get a paycheck from them. I've purchased all my watches. Yeah. So, for well, I bought mine as well. Yep, like, exactly. I don't want anybody saying that we're here trying to yeah. advocate. You know, Garmin. What I do like about Garmin. But we
1: will all take free watches if you do want to give us Absolutely, up. yeah.
3: Well, like you said, you want to do a beta test on it, and I'll, I'll reach out to some, some people in the States and say, look, let's do this. You know, yeah. We're doing something with David Pingree right now, same idea. The thing that I want people to understand is I if I'm working for Todd, Todd needs to wake up in the morning and go, this is what I need to do. What he needs to do is say, all right, Jules is making this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This is what I'm eating for my snacks. I look at his burn rate for Monday, I look at what he consumed, and it's a phone call saying, hey, don't change anything. Mm. Mm. Next day, try to add a smoothie that's got 800 calories in it, which by the way, I have a smoothie book, I have a snack book, and I have a cookbook. Open up to the Blueberry Blast, make that shake. I know it's giving him 872 calories, it's giving him enough of this, this, and this vitamin. That's my, he, him counting food. And this is where it's very, very, very finite line. He wants to know the why is willing to do. I mean, my gosh, he's willing to weigh his food. I can't get people to stay out of a drive-through. He's willing to weigh his food. (laughs) Okay. But at the end of the day, I don't want his attention being spread to anything other than sleep, eat, ride. And then when he walks away from that quadrant of athletics, goes into personal and then goes into financial, goes fishing, goes to the movies, comes back tomorrow morning. We've already raked the data. Mm. I don't mean this was on that CBS special I did with Dunge when they were trying to pit me and Dunge against Roxon and Alden. The idea here is I'm asking him to eat certain foods that the mainstream media may take out of context. That's what they try to do in the CBS special and ask him if he had his ice cream before bed. Mm. Now, before anybody leaves nasty messages, I think you should. I know you should always have a protein and a fat before you go to bed because it's it's the only two macronutrients that satisfies appetite. So if we're trying to get your sleep up and your body is hungry, Mm. it doesn't care about sleeping. It wants to not go hungry. So you're not going to sleep well. I know that's the catalyst for why you're not sleeping. Man, I I
1: love eating like, before right before bed Mm. like all the time i'll I'll feel like i have to eat right before bed but
3: for him to eat before bed and have confidence versus he's read or somebody's told him that if you eat after 9 p.m it's going to go on his body fat so now he's like doubting it this is where we get back Mm. into that confidence i have a responsibility to create a confident athlete in my program not because he should rake the data. That's my job. Mm -hmm. I can give the Cliff Note version, like you said, where I was going at with the CBS thing is, I was quoted as saying, I don't live in a world of emotions, I live in a world of zeros and ones. And that is the truth. If his biofeedback comes back and his heart rate's up six beats, and he went out and he smashed it at Coulomb yesterday, we know why it's up six beats. Well, he's not coming in today with 10 by two kilometer intervals. We know that because the schedule, he knew on Friday we were gonna to go to Coolum on Tuesday. So when he looks at Wednesday's workout and it's an easy minute night excuse me, an easy ninety minute bike ride, he has confidence in ninety as to why it's not two hours. He has confidence why it's not in heart rate zone four, because we're gonna absorb what we did the day before. That's my responsibility to the athlete mm-hmm. and, and to all your listeners as well. That's what we do. Here's where I get frustrated. He's willing to ask why because he's inquisitory and wants to make sure he's doing the right. He wants to know he's doing what I'm asking right. I can deal with that. To sit and try to validate and validate and Mm. argue with a carpenter and argue with a concrete layer and argue with a moto mom and argue with a facility owner, I'm not interested. Mm. The numbers don't lie. Heart rate, if you think about the amount of information we get off these watches, every workout I can get average and max heart rate. I've already got his elapsed time because he starts and ends the activity. I do what's called a projected versus actual. Behind the scenes, when I'm writing a program for an athlete, and again, it doesn't matter if it's a weekend warrior or if it's Todd, I'm writing a certain amount of volume on and off the motorcycle. That volume is broken down into aerobic and anaerobic. Well, what's his anaerobic numbers? I need to know what those are. Mm. We have a process and a system that we make sure that his numbers are accurate, and we do them on a six-week cycle. What I'm getting at is I know what volume of intensity both aerobic and anaerobic, when he wears the watch and starts an activity, simple math. Mm. All you do is you add up. I looked for 25 hours this week. He did 36. We need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Why, why are you doing that? Because yeah. <laughs> if I haven't earned his trust, that's why he's doing 36. Yeah. But if I can get him to see after six or seven weeks, he's feeling better. He's sleeping better. Numbers are going up. He's getting faster with lower heart rate. He's really, because I need you to come to every workout, well-fed, well-hydrated, rested, and really focused. Well, he's not going to be focused if he's tired. He's not going to be focused if he's sore. He's not going to be focused if he's, you know, all of those issues. So when I'm asking him to keep a sweat rate calculator, all he's got to do is step on a scale twice before and after a workout and document how much fluid he's consumed. Mm -hmm. So if he thinks giving me two numbers is too much work, then I'm probably not the right coach for him. This is a guy that's weighing his food. You think I have to worry about getting three numbers?
1: Have you ever done any of that? Like weighing yourself with hydration and shit oh, like that? Oh, I
2: have. Yes. But not... So what I not did... Like daily? No, not daily. So we did a similar thing. We had a guy... Um, Bring this closer, bro. can't... I forgot his name, actually. It was in 2012 when I um, rode for Suzuki when Townley come back. Oh, yeah. And Town... Ta- Man, Townley whooped us at Conondale. No, that was that, that was day. hectic, eh? Hey? Yeah.
1: That's still his best day ever. Yeah that he said like he yeah. said that's the best he's ever felt on a bike ever
2: so Townley that was the year that I sort of it all come together for me on the on the 450 and I'm I must have been 20 and uh, man it was hot and I had Cody Cooper on the team as him and I and we mm. had a guy that specialised in hydration um, in performing athletes performing well in hot weather and he was from Darwin mm. so he he gave us a tablet and we swallowed it and it gave him the ability to ability to analyze our core temperature and all that yep. sort of stuff while we raced fuck that's pretty cool yeah yep. so he had us doing that so obviously we stepped on the scales so we do ice bath, step on the scales go get dressed and then go to the start line um it was unreal like we had ice slushies i was going to the, it was a you know, 35, 40 degree day and I was shivering on the start line. Really? Yeah.
1: You had your body temperature down that low? Yeah, it was insane. That's so crazy.
2: So I learned I quite a bit there, but, you know, I just, we used it as a weigh yourself. So, you know, 80 kilos. And then I come in and I'm 79 kilos. Well, you've lost a liter of water.
1: So... But you then you'd have to measure how much you've drunk as well, right? To like right. kind of offset it. And so,
3: but we have resources that all you've got to do is put in your beginning and your ending and document how much fluid you've consumed and it does the calculation and your goal is to have no more than a 2% loss
1: so where where is that like is that in like an app or a web like, is oh, it's that just an Excel your... spreadsheet that we use that yeah. most people can use on oh, their phone and then you just make the formulas so yeah. all you do is put it in and then it just spits
3: it out and yet I've got people tell me that's too much information but they'll spend $20,000 to go to a, a race like to qualify for Loretta's yeah. and I'll have somebody they will get to a week long race the heat the humidity now they're already dehydrated by Wednesday because they don't know what to drink. Or you have the other extreme. They yeah. walk around with a jug of water, they're pounding the water that dilutes the sodium content yeah, of the blood. They now they're hyponatremic. Well, now they're hyponatremic. Yeah. And we know what the risks are with that when you look at Josh Lichtel and all that went down with that. So that's where I get frustrated because I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to get you to weigh yourself before and after now. For the listeners that may be new to to listening to me talk, I don't want to sound highly technical. I'm trying to consolidate and keep it simple. If if I'm looking at 10-degree ranges and I know what your average and your max heart rate was and you step on the scale and I know what your sweat rate was, including what you consumed, I can create a nutrition and hydration program for you. Mm -hmm. But if stepping on the scale twice before and after is too much work, then I probably won't help you very much. Mm. Now, again, I'm i I'm my going back to the original comment I made, this is a guy that's willing to weigh his food. I don't want him weighing his food. Because as much as he loves the structure, it becomes something else to do in his day. Yeah, this is too much work. Yeah, Eventually it becomes a job. Now he's paying somebody else to do a job that he's doing a job for and yeah. doesn't know you, you do yeah. a lot with cycling, and so does your fiance. You know how many people buy wattage? Wattage whether it's a, a power crank, a power pedal, yeah. or a wheel, train with wattage and don't know how to interpret the data. How yeah. many people buy the watch and don't know how to interpret the watch? We're an analytics company. That's what we do. Yeah. But here's where I'm going with. Don't fucking argue with me about how we're interpreting the data because I didn't wear your watch. Yeah. It's your information. <laughs> you stepped on the scale and sent it to me. You've got to follow.
1: Yeah, don't be mad about the data. <laughs> like well, yeah. But
3: yet you've got somebody that wants enough structure to feel confident. We're back to that confidence word that yeah. you can't feel it or touch it. Yeah. But yet when he doesn't feel confident, it manifests itself on the track. So yeah. now, once again, I have failed him as a physiologist because I'm not mandating that he gets me the data. That's why we part ways with mm. athletes.
2: Yeah, but the hardest thing is that I've seen in careers is I'm – hey, we're all result-driven. Absolutely. You know, we want to win. Yep. But you can't be mm-hmm. when you're talking about what you're talking about. Yep. Because I can't come and join with you mm-hmm. and start analysing all this stuff and then go to round one and, and get my butt kicked, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, this is no Doesn't good. Doesn't work, yeah. You know, because that's how the mentality works. Yeah, You know, who do, do. Or some ex-rider, like you just explained, decides to tr- pick up some kid... That has won everything. Yep. And then he goes and wins, and he's like, "Oh man, man, Todd was the best trainer, trainer ever." Yeah. Yep. You know. And I'm just telling him, "Oh man, yeah, just train at 130 heart rate because that's what mine yep. mine was when I did VO2 max tests and stuff."
3: <laughs> but that's what goes back to what we said earlier. That's why I totally respect the guys that, mm. you know, trainers have. And I hate to use that word. I don't consider myself a trainer. I'm a human performance specialist. And that's not to have a bigger name, but anybody can go get a weekend workshop certificate. And now they're a trainer. It, it just it makes my skin crawl the problem that i have with it is at the end of the day when you look at all of this the problem that you run into is it's the flavor of the month
1: mm. we well, both like you said you've done that like you've tried so much shit oh different, like different like we things. spoke
2: about like like rob's talking about like you start to analyze things and i did like then you like it actually and... come from Jill's dad he's right into cycling mm-hmm. he lost a lot of weight and he's he loves numbers you know mm-hmm. he's really good at that stuff and he's got a book written down of the weights of everything so he weighs all his food mm-hmm. like he did but now he knows sure but at first that's what he did yeah and he lost a lot of weight it was really good for him so that kind of come from me so then I phoned up my trainer Jarrah so Jarrah used to train with me up here and, okay. and he built a supplement company around myself because I had trouble with hydration supplements sure. with too much magnesium it was giving me cramps and stuff okay so Jarrod's a sports physiologist, did eight years at uni. And so Very cool. Like like I've kind of had experience with people and I've had experience from outside influences as well throughout mm-hmm. my career. You know, like we speak about, results aren't there. You know, you, you need to change your trainer, mm-hmm. you know. But I've been working with Jarrod since 2009. I've won a lot of races with him. Yeah, yeah, but it's obviously not working. Like he's doing the same thing, blah, blah, blah. Is it because I lost my deal in Europe and I had to come back home and I'm and I'm depressed and mm-hmm. and I'm driving a track trying to convince myself that this is better than being a cabinet maker? Mm-hmm. Is that not the reason? You know, is it my trainer? Mm. Like because on the weekend I got third. Mm-hmm. Like how about saying the trainer's is the easiest thing to clip? Yeah, though.
1: like because how about there's like, because there's just another one. Yeah, it's so but easy. That's, to what, just that's like what I was saying earlier, though.
3: It's that it. It's kind of like the mechanic; the bike can't break, but the rider can drop it ten times. Mm. That's what we run into is, if I mean we're we've we've done well. We have two hundred and fifty three amateur national titles as a company. We have four AMA number one plates. If that matters to you, that's great. Yeah. What I care more about is. If, and, and I'm not trying to name drop here, but you know we have Seth Hamaker with Factory Kawasaki back in the States. He's got a two-year deal with Mitch this, mm. after this year's over. Well, he just had both of his shoulders reconstructed. Just oh, the nature really? of some injuries that happened this year. If the slightest thing goes sideways, we're always the first one that mm. gets cut. Gets, it's always know, been the Always way. our fault. Yeah. So what I do to insulate myself is I have a tremendous analytics profile that we do on all the athletes, not to justify that I'm right, but to show how the athletes improved because it goes back to, I have a responsibility. If you're Mitch Payton and you've got X amount of dollars invested in a rider, he just simply wants to know that he's going to be able to ride that bike to its potential. Yeah. Whether it's straight to weight ratios, whether it's, you know, using orgometers and measuring range of motion, whatever Mitch wants to see, I've got a report for him. Mm. If he, if we go down with the race and at the end of the race, he and it, let's let's change it from Seth and let's put it on Todd. A team owner comes back and says, "Todd's not in good shape." Well, I the problem that I have with that is Todd can during the week go out and run at a 185, have no more than a one second deviation. Are we blaming the suspension specialist? No. Are we blaming the chassis specialist? No. But you can't tell me he's not prepared. It's not about Rob. It's not about Moto E. Here's the data. We can go out. We could do four 40-minute motos. He has a one-second deviation. We know the track's deteriorating. Here's his average and his max heart rate. Now, let's compare it to the racetrack. The bike is such a stink bug. He never pushed his intensity. Mm. He doesn't push his intensity because he's arguing with the bike. See, that's the thing when it comes to human well, telemetry. so many
1: variables, and that's kind of the one thing with our sport is like that's the beautiful so, thing
3: about motocross but,
1: yeah. the, but, but like you like, said it's so it makes it so ruthless though because it's like you could just pick you could pick yeah. anyone to blame and like you could but be it's like, oh, not a, it's
3: not even about blaming as much as it is aren't we isn't our ultimate goal try to fix the problem I like what you said earlier we're not saying anybody is right or wrong aren't we simply just the motor comes back and it's lost two horsepower it's not that it was fabricated wrong it's simply it's starting to fade we just simply fix it mm. I liked what you said. To me, I look at the boater just like a dyno. Human telemetry doesn't, you know, And you wear the heart rate Mm. monitor, I know the average and I know the max heart rate. I know the duration of the moto. We know what the conditions were, heat, humidity, and how the track deteriorated. Isn't our ultimate goal, that's how I teach my workshops, that motorcycle is a moving gyroscope. So if he's not gelling with the gyroscope, I'm going to make sure he's strong enough, he's flexible enough, he's hydrated, he's mentally focused, To ride that bike to its potential, shouldn't we all be working together Mm. instead of saying this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, suspension, chassis, tires, whatever it is. That's where I go back to accountability because you know that that mechanic, if that bike just completely craps out, Mm. well, it can only crap out so many times and you lose your job. Mm. Why don't I lose my job if he keeps getting tired? Mm. I have got a responsibility to find out why he's getting tired and fix it. Mm. That's why we do testing. That's why we evaluate. But I don't want him thinking about it. Like what you said, mm. you know, you're, if Jewel's dad he crunched all the numbers and has the it was a lot of work up front. Mm. Well, I've been doing this since I don't want to show my age, but doing this for thirty seven years. Yeah. Okay, so if I've got enough historical information, don't I have a responsibility to bring him into the fold mm. to get him to see why we're doing it? Because everything that I recommend up front is just a theory and a concept until he experiences it. Mm. But ultimately once he experiences it, he has that aha moment. (laughs) Now I've just got the more confidence. It's not about validating myself. It's confidence in him. Mm. It's not about me. That's what I have such a problem with these quote unquote coaches. They want to get on TV and they want to talk about what they're doing with AC and what they're doing with this guy and what they're doing with that guy. If Todd throws my name out on a podium, I'm forever grateful but that's not what I do it that's not why I do it I I treat myself as if I'm the Olympic training center I'm trying to get the very best out of him in the healthiest manner in a sustainable manner to get the results that he wants I no disrespect to a manufacturer I don't work for a manufacturer mm. I work for him
1: with the with your championship like obviously you win the championship this last year and then you go in this year like what? are you like scared to change anything are you like off it's not broke don't fix it are you always trying to like look for things to be better like because that would probably be like a kind of a hard mentality to or like a hard thing to balance right of like
2: no that's it it is if you've got no data like uh like rob like he'd be nervous if if his athlete never gave him a heart rate or mm, or a weight or anything
1: which way to go what, the, what are you going to do know, with the dude? Yeah, you kind of just know which. Direction and like I go touched
2: out. on, like yes, our sport is a result-based sport because Husqvarna want me to win races. Mm. You know, little do Husqvarna know, I can't control what Dean Ferris or Kirk Gibbs are doing. Mm. You know, but my mentality is I can control what I'm doing, and what I did last year. Here's the data. Mm. This is what I did. You know, and like I was saying to Julie the other night, I was like, man you know we just had our hard block you know like a hard, it builds last up week yeah so yeah. Our last week it builds up in four week blocks and now i'm on an easy week so happy days but <laughs> the the fourth the fourth week was tough like i did three days in a row of um riding like on the moto so three back to back because you're doing
1: like 45 minute motos eh sure like, Shh. So I'll, say, I'll cut that. I'll cut that. No, but um, so you're doing you're doing hard motos. Yeah, cu- I'll cut that for you. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's
2: yeah. now, so we're doing longer motos and um, and longer cycles, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me is what we've built up, and that's what we spoke about. Was the Germans always said you can't build a house if you've got no foundation? Like you mm. can't just have a roof up. So that's where the high heart rate is, obviously, in low heart rate. Well, the ha feeling that you've said is saying, like, man, when I was in Europe, I'd do three days in a row. Like, that was their thing. Like, we'd do three days in a row because their GPs are long and mm. long weekends. They want to stress the body and then recover and stress the body. So I just like that routine. So I did three days in a row with the cycles and stuff built into my week as a program. And, yeah my body is fatigued but then I'm able to back it up and back it up and back it up you know with stresses so how, and what did
1: you mean by 3 days in a row you do like 3 days in moto in a row or 3 days yeah, of motor. just hard training in a row no no, no
2: moto so normal like normally like i'd do two in a row and then a day off you know like you split if you got four rides you split them throughout the week and place your cycles in there and your gym sessions and obviously different times of the year you know is different things like you're not going to be doing three times gym uh before you race lifting heavy weights low reps like you know that's where it all gets structured and built into a year like i'm not going to go into that but mm. that's that's where the ha feeling come from and i was explaining it to julia the other night As i'm like man michael was always he it wasn't like you need to do low heart rate to win races you know he was like everything was almost like injury prevention you know exactly what rob's talking about you know and as an athlete you don't you're like man no 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 man i'm just gonna win you know but until you get that and that comes with maturity like unfortunately i've just done this in the last few years like you know up until then it's just like i've got to win it's that and it's nice to have that mentality. Well, like Rob
1: said, that fear-based mentality. Yeah. Like, you just feel like you have to win.
2: Have to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas until you go, you know what? It's only me on the track. When I go to the training track, I don't care if this dude's faster or slower or whatever because there's no bonuses today, mm. you know? I'm here. I'm standing on my toes. I'm dropping my heels because I'm going to kick your ass on the weekend, mm. you know? Whereas that mentality quickly changes to- When you're on the gate don't worry about the stand on the toes and dropping heels or anything else we just gotta go I'm a second quicker at the practice track you know I don't even have stopwatches I don't even have them at the practice track why? because on race day I just want to win races man Mm. like as soon as and it's a thing with me and I don't care about anyone else whatever people are like yeah but man you gotta be hitting your marks gotta be hitting your marks gotta have consistent lap times that's fantastic you know but there's no lap times when you're cycling like you know you're just going off a heart rate like you just got a number there and you're sitting on it if you can't feel that if you can't feel that i'm at 100 percent on a motorbike or not mm. that's that's a thing and for me yeah like
1: you've been riding long enough like you should know what a good yeah. life is
2: and unfortunately my competitive nature it's just some people are different than others i go to a track i want to do three days at 70 percent long long motos consistent motos no mistakes i don't want any mistakes you know i want to get my 80 percent up you know that's what they spoke about in europe auntie was always like we need to get your 80 percent higher mm. so on race day you know you're riding at 80 percent and everyone's at 100 exactly like rob was saying yeah but that's a big thing for me is as soon as my old man's there, or Jason's there on the pit board, and they just go, "140," you know, lap time. I come around, and go, "Oh man, I got 138s, man." Mm. You know? Yeah. Next minute, you 137s. Up, yeah. 136s, 136s. Oh man, that was an awesome moto. That's sick. Next moto, tracks baked because that's what happens in Australia. Sure. Bakes out. Next minute, we're doing 142s. You know, it's not that easy to tell yourself when you're driving home oh yeah but the track's baked because yeah. I don't care yeah. that's my mentality I don't care like when I go to race and Dean or Kirk or whoever it is beats me it's not the suspension man because they beat me on that bike that I'm riding right there I was shit today
1: and they, their suspension might not have been perfect it, either it
2: never is Yeah, I've ridden bikes all around the world factory bikes I don't like because I'm from Australia we ride production based bikes so when you go and you ride a japanese factory bike all of a sudden it's got hydraulic clutches all this sort of stuff on it and it feels like a completely different bike you know you hop on these bikes i've had it my entire career man these i don't want four pistons in my front brake caliper mm. i can't even touch the front brake i'm riding around i'm trying to ride without front brake around a motocross track because this thing's way too yeah. way too touchy can I please have a production one? Ah, oh, you're so funny, you're so funny. You know, that's true, eh? Hey? That's what they do to you. Oh, you're so funny. This is that's the best caliper you can get. I know. It's and too good, bro. Brakes just slow you down, <laughs> <laughs> especially touchy ones. You know, so there's like the things that I've experienced in in my in my time, and like, yeah, I haven't raced at a high level like your Villapodos and these dudes, you know, but I've experienced some things and. And I, I feel, for me, what works is when I go to a track and there's none of that and I'm just focusing on, okay, this was my heart rate, mm. this is how hard I worked, this is what I'm working on, most importantly, during the week, what am I going to do? Because if I just do what I've kept doing my whole life and go on there wide open, winning practice day lap times, what's it achieving mm. so that was my biggest thing last year is I took a step back and I worked on things that Ben Townley worked I'm still working on things now mm. like and that's what excites me because I'm like man you know I'm 28 years old and I'm learning to ride a motorbike <laughs> like and dude, that's it's
1: so funny I feel the exact same way after Ben a. We were just like, talked
3: like about that so today gnarly, yeah. yeah
2: so gnarly dude yeah but that's a and I see this with some people the people that get stuck They've just got massive egos. Yeah. You know? And hey, I've been around you my whole life, you know. I've been told how shit I am my whole life from you guys. <laughs> 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 but it is. It's about keeping the feet grounded and yeah. and that's what makes me who I am and, and it allows me, that's what I've found. The biggest thing, you know, you don't the biggest thing that I've found and what's helped me is just allowing myself to do my job. So go on to the practice track. working on things to become better that's all i'm about becoming better so answering what you spoke about before like am i nervous or this or that i'm like nah man this is how much i weighed last year when i was in my peak you Mm. know should i lose some weight should i this or that like that's what we're working on these things here and there but i can because i know yeah you got the data man i didn't sleep why did i sleep so good when i won that Mm. race you know like what what is that like this sort of stuff yeah coach rob spoke about the sweat rate you know like i i'm very i get stuck on stuff as you might have seen like i'm on to him straight away about the sleep like yeah what what's the deal with this like how why this and that you know like i ain't weighing it because i'm done with that <laughs>
1: yeah. but that that <laughs> shit's fun like that that shit is fun and that's some of the you know me i get full obsessed yeah. with shit and but that's where the fun is for me and stuff. And that's yeah. what with the jiu-jitsu thing. Like, there's so much shit that I can learn in that. Like, I couldn't learn everything. So, it's yep. so, it, it suits my brain for, like, that obsessive thing. But I think that that's, what's, that's what makes shit fun. And, like, even now, like we were saying, I like riding again. Like, mm. we rode the other day. When was the last yeah. time you saw me ride?
2: Yeah. No, but that's Fuckin- a good example. The other day, you were so bummed because you're like, man, this and that. I was like, mate. Go out there, just relax, come into the corner a little bit slower, build, focus on the exit. Like, you know, that's what I'm about. Mm. Like, imagine if I'm there, you're feeling like that, and I'm like, 142, 142, 145, oh, man, you're fading. You're fading, man. Like, you've got work to do. Like, then you go home and it's like, man, I'm I'm like, I did shit today, like this and that. And I know it's numbers, and I know... Need to do that, but for me,
1: you are like, right though because the like for my when I the first year I competed jiu jitsu, I fucking sucked, and like I won a bunch of shit, but I never felt good, and I lost a bunch of shit as well. Never felt great, and I'd always be like, I don't feel as good as I do in the gym. Like I roll anyone in the gym, and I've like feel like I I could be competitive. Don't don't care who they are, how big they are. Like obviously the top top end guys, but just of the normal people I was like oh, fuck I can roll with any of these dudes go to the fucking comp smoked by a white belt and you're like what why like you get so into this mode of like oh this is a comp day mm. this is the day I've got to like I've got to win this day blah 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 and I was like putting on headphones and I was yeah. putting on like <laughs> pumped up music <laughs> and like but by the time I get on the mat I'm fucking stressed bro like, <laughs> yeah. like, I've, like I've stressed yeah. myself out and then now, I, at the Nationals this year, bro, I rolled for 40 minutes before my first fight. I was sweating my ass off, and I was, like, full-on tired, but I was just having fun with my mates. Yeah. Like, I never get to roll my mate, Andrew. Hmm. Never, get to, never get to roll him, and then he's like, how do you want to warm up? And I was like, fuck, man, we haven't rolled in ages. Let's just have, like, a proper, proper fight. Like, let's just go for it. Yeah. And then I was... They called my name. I was fucked and i was like oh i probably shouldn't have done that i am cooked but i was just in that i finally did a competition of like i don't care like i'm just doing the exact same thing like i would have rolled i rolled the dude i fought like i rolled andrew yeah because it was just i didn't change my headspace i didn't have time to put music on didn't have time to think about what it meant or this or that i literally went from like rolling with my mate call my they called my name I was like oh shit I need to go and do like a national championship right now
3: but yeah but think about how powerful that is because for you he's got to do that eight nine ten twelve yeah. times a year but it sounds
1: it, like you're talking about what I'm it's exactly it's
3: exactly the same yeah. it's exactly the same and that's why I always say your success can't be accidental because I like what you yeah. said This works for me. I'm not trying to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you know how much confidence, and I know this is, I keep coming back to the C word, the confidence, athletic maturity, a little bit older, whatever. You know what works for you. Mm. And yet you've got people telling you that's not what you need to do. And you're like, listen, this is what I need. Listen, I mean, if you zoom out of our conversation and you look down on it, you've got people telling Todd that what he's thinking is not right. Mm. You, you knew something wasn't right. You're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm rolling it on the mat in training and I can't get it here. He goes out and consistency is there. Whatever the things that he evaluates is like, that's a good day at the track. And then telling him he's not doing it right. Mm. It's all about the person. It's not about, am I trying to be his, his man friend? No. But your success cannot be accidental. At least on my program, it can't. The mm. reason why I say that, you come in and we we go from a 142 to a 141. I'm stoked for you. Can you tell me where you did that on the track? Why do I want him to articulate that? So when we go out for the next round, he hits that same mark and keeps it at a 141, even mm. though the track's breaking down. Mm. If he can't articulate it, he's not going to be able to do it over. You, you go out and you do what you roll with your buddy, you do a full blown, and also you're like, that shit worked. Great. You now know you have a blueprint. Yeah yeah, that's why my program is called the blueprint of success. If we know what we did to get here, you just simply, like you talked about the house being built, the foundation. An architectural plan is based on what? A foundation. Well, if we don't have the foundation, you can't build on that. That goes back to preseason. goes Mm. back to you can't go fast until you can go long and slow. Mm. People don't want to hear that. At this level of racing, wide open, baby. That's all we got. (laughs) So the challenge I run into is it's subject to periodization, breaking the year down. Earning his trust to understand the purpose of each training cycle. Mm -hmm. Not always understanding it, but then when he gets into pre-competitive and his time trial results are faster than they've ever been and they feel easy to him. Mm -hmm. He goes, shit, all those three-hour bike rides at a 130 is why I'm able to go faster. Next January, February, March, he has confidence in that Mm preseason. I've got athletes I've had for 18, 19 years because they trust the system. That's great. I feel honored, Mm. but I have a bigger responsibility to show them January of 16 to January to 17 to January of Mm. 20 incremental improvements from quarter to quarter, year to year, and to get them to understand, I liked what you said. Hey, my body weight was this at my, at my best, if I may use no pun, his fighting weight was this number. He feels Mm. good on that. Great. How did you get to that number? And then if we know that we go up one kilo and his wattage, because he trains with cycling, we know that his wattage goes up per you know, wattage per kilogram. He's got more confidence. Wait. So we started adding XYZ exercises. We started adding this, this, this cross training. It was actually easier to go faster on a 40K time trial. Mm. You go, Rob, he's not training for cycling. You're right. But he'll take the confidence from that time trial to the starting line. I know I'm faster at a lower heart rate. I can go longer without getting fatigued. I don't give a rat's ass who's to my left and who's to my right. Execute the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If he can see him, he can beat him. If I'm working with him on a a psychological program, if he can see him, he can beat him. He Mm -hmm. just has to stay in contact. Then we focus on nutrition, flexibility, and hydration because low blood sugar, he's going to start missing his marks. They start gapping him. Mm -hmm. He starts facing something, low blood sugar. We've got to tweak it. So that he's on his mark every moto. If he can see him, he can beat him. But you got to reverse engineer it. Well, now you're back to numbers, and guys are like, "Nope, it's too technical." Rob talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. But Do see, you tell your moto be- motor builder that. And see what he thinks. Go ahead.
2: See, that's what, like, exactly like what Rob's saying. There is what I base myself off, and every successful athlete in the world does. You know, they record everything. Mm. Like that's a massive thing. Like Rob's really highly educated in what he does you know so he's going really deep with stuff and that's where you need to write stuff down like you always say because a lot of the stuff that you say is like whoa like when i listen to your podcast i was like sleep man like yeah and i was just like on the typing straight away wanting to know about that because i've never heard that before mm. you know and that's probably like now, after talking about the sweat stuff, like that's something that interests me because I think I overhydrate. Coming mm-hmm. from cans, my whole life I just smash water. Sure, I have a habit. Soon as I hop in the car, I'm drinking water, and obviously mm-hmm. I've got Jarrah's supplement as well. Yep, that because I know that. Sure. You know what happens if you just drink water, blah blah. blah. But I that interests me
3: because I think that I go well, way it's too much with that. pretty easy to
1: do, right? Are you riding yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Why don't you try it tomorrow? So yeah. what? What have you got to? So.
3: Just need the beginning weight before you get geared up, ending weight out of your gear, and then just how much fluid you've consumed from when you stepped on the scale and at the beginning and the end, that's it. And so in between, like when you ride? Yeah, like if yep. you pound a liter of water over the course of a couple hours of riding, whatever yep. that exact number is, I just need to know. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. The reason why I want people to think about this oh, is you for if, mm-hmm. if you Speaking take in some kind of fluid and it's come through your skin through respiration or sweat, it's going to show it. It's not, excuse me, it's not going to show it on the scale. So like you said earlier, um, let's say you weigh in at uh, what, what's your kilo as of this morning, just like roughly. 80. So you start out at 80, you come off the bike, and at the end of the day of riding session, let's say you're at 78, Yeah. a lot of guys will say, oh, I, I lost two kilos. Well, you lost the two kilos on the scale, but you also lost whatever you took in in the way of fluid. The easiest way I can illustrate it is you keep topping off your gas tank. Hmm. So obviously it's burning we think about our radiators. We check it. It's obviously there's some little bit of loss just through the attrition rate of the heat of the motor. Yeah. But most people don't think about sweat. They go, oh, I lost two kilos on the scale. No, you lost the two kilos plus what you took in Mm. and creating a hydration strategy isn't as difficult as people make it out to be. But here's where it becomes a little bit difficult. What temperature was it? What was the humidity? What was Mm -hmm. your average and max heart rate? You're gonna go out and work sections. Your average heart rate's certainly gonna be lower than when you're doing whatever duration of moto that you're doing, a sprint moto or a long moto or maybe a fragmented set. Maybe do a 10, a five, and a three, whatever it may be. That's where the documentation has to come in. For the listener, they may look at it and go, my goodness, he wants me to calculate I did a 10, a five, and a three. Well, yeah because you're revving the engine at different durations, excuse me, at different levels for different durations, I have to look at the overall stress on the human body and know what your respiration rate was, what your urination rate was, what your sweat rate was. Because people, we use the word sweat rate because most people can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. But when the scale is adjusting, you gotta remember your body's going through functions, urination, defecation, all of its bodily functions. You're sweating, your body's trying to get rid of that internal core heat, and you're breathing. If you've ever slept in a tent, you get that moisture inside the tent. Yeah, that's water. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit. That's why I don't want people thinking, "Oh, he's hyper, hyper analytical." Yeah, behind closed doors in our in our offices, that's my job to serve you as an athlete. Mm. But you, as an athlete, need to realize, hmm, it's more than just a beginning and an ending weight. Mm-hmm. Are we going to replenish ounce for ounce? No, we're not going to, because there's just part of it. You know, we always say it this way you should always lose some weight in every exercise that you do. Because one of the concerns I have is people overhydrate. You mentioned maybe drinking too much water. What people don't think about is electrolytes. Most of us think about electrolytes when it comes to sweating. Because if you notice when you drink an electrolyte drink, you'll notice that you urinate more. Well, an electrolyte helps you absorb fluids. So it's kind of interesting we're talking about this because since we've been here in Australia, I've been shown a ton of hydration resources whether they're tablets or powders or whatever and they were thinking that it was actually an isotonic drink an isotonic drink should have calories in it so your body can only assimilate 300 calories per hour i don't want this to get confusing yeah. well, if we go back to the original subject about electrolytes electrolytes are part of the muscle contraction so when that muscle becomes electrolyte depleted it cramps yep but then people go well am i dehydrated is that why i'm cramping or is it electrolyte depleted unless we take a biopsy, I don't know. You know what I mean? (laughs) So what we want to try to do is is narrow it down the best we can. The good news is when we get back to nutrition, electrolytes come from fruits and vegetables. It's pretty simple. So if you're electrolyte deficient and I look at your food logs and you're not eating enough fruits and vegetables, we can eliminate the cramping by getting fruits and vegetables up. That's number one. Number two, your body can only assimilate around, there's a little couple schools of thought, but for the all intents and purposes, 300 calories an hour. Well, if all of a sudden you start pounding a boatload of calories, now you back the gut up. Now you've got GI distress. You feel nauseous and all that goes with it or you get diarrhea and other GI issues. Well, where's the happy medium once again? Well, that's where you have to have a relationship with the athlete to say, what'd you eat for breakfast and what time? Because your body needs two hours to digest, assimilate, and purge. So if your race is at eight, your your last final complex meal needs to be by 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Gives it time to, to purge, assimilate, absorb, and, and purge. At that point, the clock has started. You're on a 300-calorie-per-hour increment for the rest of the day, whether that comes from a peanut butter and jelly, a Vegemite sandwich, uh, apple and some almond butter. I don't care. Whatever you've decided works for you, which we test in training, because mm-hmm. I always love this. Oh, you shouldn't eat that. Really? <laughs> I love that word shouldn't. You could do perfectly fine with an apple and almond butter, and that roughage for him is no problem for you, tears your belly up. Mm. Well, it worked for him. How can it be wrong? Or vice versa. So that's where we get into the customization of it, where I'm not a textbook guy. I use a textbook to get the parameters, but then you have to make it real world. Yeah, for the person. It's got to be completely customized. That's where our job as an analytics company, yes, I have to get some info, but once we have it, it's autopilot mm. when he rolls into that let's call it the race venue when he rolls into that race venue i want him to know what to eat when to eat and have confidence and why what to drink what not to drink and have confidence and why
1: do you know like do you have more like a schedule of what you will use like food wise and when you eat and stuff like that or do yeah. you sort of
2: yeah, on race day or just,
1: just yeah, like race day. Is that something that you've like had tested, or you just it just like works for you over time?
2: No, it just I've just had that my whole life. So, well, not my whole life, but um, basically when I come back from Europe, uh, when I was weighing my foods and mm-hmm. I went quite deep with my nutrition side of things, um, I found like I really rice works well for me as a carbohydrate. Yep. So, um, I have like. Depending if I'm going to the track, I'll just I'll just have uh, some spinach leaves. I'll put rice in there, and I'll take a tin of tuna, and I have tomatoes in there as well. Like that's just like a basic, easy thing for me to eat when I go riding because tuna is simple, bit of protein, Um, and I just always try to have a bit of everything in my meals. Like I don't go really deep. I don't know massive amount. Like like I said, I'm not. I race a dirt bike. Like Mm -hmm. I'm. That's not my thing, and I've had. I've worked with lots of different dietitians through my career and every single one of them tell me something different so that's where i'm like Mm. that's where it's very difficult for me where i'm like man like you know one lady's told me that man you guys burn so many calories like i remember when i was 18 she's like you know you need to be replacing it you should have like some cordial and stuff while you're riding and that and i'm like cordial like why would I have cordial? Why wouldn't I have something useful like, I don't know, a banana or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like yep. that's, and that's just an example where I've really found training. When you talk to someone about training, it's like heart rate zones, like it's it's quite simple. Mm. Like I learned when I was in, in Europe, like I always go back to that because it was a, it was a tricky time in my life. Like it was my first year racing world championship and i was after round four i was six in the world championship and come over a jump and there were five bikes laying there and i snapped my tib fib mm. collarbone and my hip mm. so i was you know i was at then i went to red bull for 13 weeks and like i say like things happen for a reason everything it all just works out sure, you know sure that happened to be one of my best things in my career like i went to red bull dtc and spent 13 weeks there with a physio sports psych and a trainer two times a day mm. like i felt for once in my life like i touched on like for us we just become professional athletes like we just get paid money to ride a motorbike there's not yeah, like, all of a
1: sudden you're like hey you're pro now yeah, yeah. there's no like you don't yeah. get a bachelor in professional no. athletics you here's just, a bike there's that, some money that
2: that so and so wins on mm-hmm. what do you mean you don't like it like yeah. you know yeah there's not actually any grooming or anything like that it's just like you just work it all out yourself and for the first time in my career it was like my name's on the board I gotta go here why are you taking blood like like you said like it's just natural for me because I'm like like why 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 you know but all these other guys have just been doing it like Ken since he was a young child that it's just normal to take blood out of the ear he doesn't know why well he probably does but like it's just something that i've always done norm, yeah. whereas i didn't come from that so big thing big i don't know where i'm going with that <laughs> <laughs> no <but laughs> it's like you, you felt
1: like a yeah you felt like you're a professional athlete at, yeah th- for the first time in your career
2: yeah so that's being in that atmosphere is, is really something special for me mm-hmm. like coming from none of that and then just being thrown into that sort of atmosphere where it's uh, it's very team feel feeling Mm -hmm. like like I I felt like I was part of a soccer team like Mm -hmm. a football team sorry where that stuff is all like coach Rob said no no you don't do that like you're just told what to do and if Mm -hmm. you don't do it well then you're out someone else is in there but big thing for me rob is the sleep thing like we've touched on that yeah and it's something that i've kind of yeah i've experienced i've i've lodged it like it's it's that but i can't keep it consistent like i've i've found that like i'm not a big person on social media like yes i i create content but it's all for work sure sure like Jason's brother Maddie's my best mate, and he's he started me on MySpace on Facebook, <laughs> you know, like yeah. And now that's I can't what, even get Todd to fucking text me. Yeah, <laughs> like <that's, laughs> I, I Text him today. Is your phone broken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, that's just me. But so when I do stuff like that, it's purely work, and I've found that I kind of got in a bit of a a spot in my career where i was like lay in bed scrolling like you know Mm -hmm. hop on the toilet looking on instagram like and i was like and it was actually jill that pointed out to me and and told me about the blue light yeah and then jarrah who does the supplements and done my training stuff like jarrah's like man like football teams they they're not allowed phones on yeah last
3: two hours yeah so two hours so i i've
2: i do that like since a few years now um, but I, I just can't find a consistency with that deep sleep. Like yeah. I know when it's good. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, it's almost like preparing for a race. You know, when you have a good race, yes. like I explained at Coolum, I slept well. I was confident. There was nothing in my mind. Like that's a big thing for me is just being empty minded. And like you spoke about Jace big thing like you had the headphones on like you overcomplicated. oh yeah you you think that you got to do something
1: different just because it's a race day
2: but then you went and rolled and you completely forgot about it and funny when you were telling that story i was like man i remember the first sports psych i went to she gave me is that what was her name jackie Jackie. yeah yeah she's a ga yeah she explained to me about a football team uh, i mean basketball team and they did a test on them and this kind of goes against what you're saying, Rob, but this is just a, like, like a, I guess, how much mental pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. So they got them to do an example of how many hoops you could shoot from whatever distance. And uh, so half of the team, they ate well, slept well. They visualized all this sort of stuff. And then they got the other team to not sleep or anything. Mm. So they stayed up all night. And they actually did better because they went there going, I'm going to do I'm probably going to do shit, yeah. You know, so, and I know, you know, I've had it before on the start line. Oh man, your tire's flat, you know, and they rip your bike back and
1: they pull
2: your wheel out and you're there like, like, wait for me, wait for me. And they finally get your bike in, the board's up and you just look at the gate and you rip a whole shot. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You're like, what the hell? So that's a big thing was the mental side. And that's kind of i can't put a finger on the sleep thing like i know you've mentioned about sure. about diet i think is a yeah like have you done do you do
1: any like meditation or any shit like that these days
2: yeah well i do so there's a pl- uh, app called um um what's headspace it headspace yeah, yeah. so it's that uk guy yeah he's got an awesome yeah, voice so. except it's hard not to fall asleep yeah
1: i can't <laughs> meditate before bed I have yeah. to do it I've been meditating in here yep. I turn all the lights off and it, I just put the that TV light when like the room's closed that TV light's on yep. I just put that TV light on and then I'll put a candle right in front of me because sometimes I can't keep my eyes closed you know in like the middle of the day you're not yep. tired you just like you yep. have to like force it yeah. so then I'll just put a candle in front of me just so if I can't keep my eyes open I can just stare at that and kind of like zone out and do the same yep. thing but yeah, like I can't meditate before bed. But that's when they say Why? that you should meditate cuz I just fall asleep. Like it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel productive to me. But
2: you do the breathing one and everything where you focus on yeah. other things? Yeah, I, I just, find that helps.
1: Yeah. But I'll try and do that more cuz you'd probably know a bit about this but the um the physiology around like the different brainwave states that you're in. So yep. like when you when you you meditate you want to be achieving like a uh, what's it? So, is a beta wave like the fight or flight one?
3: Uh, I'm not an expert on yeah that. Okay. Uh, like beta so, waves and stuff. Yeah, so there's just
1: like these different uh, like uh, wave length patterns of your brain wave. So okay. you're trying to you're basically trying to meditate. So in the morning when you wake up and you're kind of like out of it, you not you don't really have a lot of like clear, concise thoughts and yeah. shit. You just kind of like you're just there, but you're not you're not you yet. That's because your wave patterns of your brain are like really elongated, mm. so that's kind of what you're trying to achieve when you are meditating. So the, the people, well, they say it's better to meditate in the morning or right before bed because you're kind of going into those two sort of brainwave patterns. Yep. But if I do it at night, I'm like,
3: do they go into mm-hmm. circadian rhythm with that at all? Because uh, I haven't looked into it. That's the reason why I'm asking.
1: No, I'm not sure
3: because you know if you look at a circadian rhythm, we call it a vacation test with our with our clients. I want you when you have like a week when you're just on, on holiday. All I want you to do is go to bed when you're tired and wake up when you wake up now without taking blood samples and everything else, cortisol levels should naturally rise right before you wake up in the morning. It should be an arousal type of a hormone as you go through the day and you get through your natural levels of fatigue. That, cortisol level should naturally drop. It should be its lowest before you go to bed. Oh, okay. I'd be fascinated to find out because I haven't tested or excuse me, I haven't researched anything on those brain waves. Yeah. But this is why you see physicians and firefighters and police officers when they're awake, when they should be asleep and this is why they struggle with weight because their body is up when it should be asleep and it, oh, yeah. it drives the body fat up. What I'm always curious about when you look at that is, and I like the word you said, you know, you should be able to do this or you should be able to do that. I hope the listeners start to recognize, kind of throw that word out. You know what works for you. You know that you should or shouldn't do it based on what the book says. And you're like, yeah, but if I do it, I fall asleep. I don't get the productivity out of it. Take that the step further. If I've got somebody, and I'll take it in the realm of triathlons, I had a girl that came to me from another program, hated the mornings, absolutely not a morning person, was not a good swimmer, but was taking master swim classes in the morning mm. and was wondering why she wouldn't get any better. Well, you already hate the morning, going to do something you already despise and you're not good at it. Any surprise why she set herself up for failure? Mm. And and I think it's interesting with what you guys both have said, You know, this idea that the, they brought the team in and they were mentally distracted and they had no fear and they just went after it. it we really get into some deep things with the brain because if you and the listeners Think about this: Under no circumstances, don't think about a pink cow with black spots. Yeah, 100%. don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as your brain hears "don't," it does the exact opposite. Yeah. So someone sitting on the gate saying, "Todd, don't blow the start. Don't fall in the fr- don't don't don't." Your brain immediately reverses and goes the other way. So when you're dealing with the the mental visioning, you know, you got to take it a step further. First, you have to have the deep diaphragmic breathing, maximizing oxygen uptake. I also think it has to be paired with circadian rhythm, which becomes tough when you have somebody that's not a morning person and they've got riders meeting at 7 a.m., first practices at 8. I don't know the schedule exactly, Mm -hmm. but now all of a sudden you've got a rider that's being forced to perform when he's never going to perform well at that time. You've got to train the athlete to the specificity of that demand. We get this with, doesn't matter if it's amateur, super cross moto, it doesn't matter. I'm not a morning person. Well, Loretta, you're going to have an 8 a.m. start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Statistically speaking, you're going to have one. Yeah. Eight, nine o'clock. Well, if you haven't trained yourself to get up at seven for that two hour window for digestion, and then you go out and you, yeah. you've got championship on the line and you shit the bed in the third moto because <laughs> you didn't train yourself to get up, I have a problem with that. That's irresponsible. Yeah. But let's take it full circle. If I'm working with Todd and we're working on the psychology side of things, and we will address your question about the the sleeping side, because to me it's all relevant. If you don't satisfy hunger, your brain's hierarchy of needs are, I don't want to go to sleep, I need to be fed. Mm. If you look at a child, an infant, infant's crying, he's crying, he's crying, she's crying. You nurse the child, immediately fat protein comes from the breast milk. Child is deep asleep. You could drive a train by, a child's sound asleep, mm. but yet we become adults and we think, oh, we can't eat fat, we can't have protein. Why? Works for a child. When did the rules change for us as adults? <laughs> so number one, you got to satisfy appetite, fat and protein.
1: Do you eat before bed? Or like how long till you um, like stop eating before you go to sleep?
2: Well, I have a cup of tea before bed. Yeah. <laughs> yep but that's not
3: eating no. but, but that's but the key that's, there's no protein or fat in why it why don't you
1: try like have you tried to do some different shit before bed or like with your nightly routine or are you just still going fuck why didn't I
3: sleep <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's that, that's where we're going with it on, on yeah, that's night. why I'm asking yeah. And yeah. I'm
2: like man I just eat you know my pasta and stuff like that but I had, like the other night we went and got a gelato and I didn't notice anything like my deep sleep didn't really change
3: how much fat's in gelato? I don't eat gelato, so I don't know. Probably
2: fuck all. It's <laughs> just tastes nah, sugar. Gelato. Sugar. It's the Italian... Um, yeah, it's a sugar. It's the Italian... Well, Italian ice, right? Yeah. Ice cream. Yeah, but
3: I don't think it has any fat or protein in it. I don't know. I, I'm not a gelato expert. So,
1: so you reckon fats before bed?
3: It absolutely has to be fat. Think about a nursing child. So a wh- child nurses on the cholesterol that's in the breast milk. It's high in fat and protein. Those are the only macro. So it's some, on some titties
2: before those bed. Are, those are the. i oh, tried it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Those it are the only melt. two macronutrients that'll satisfy appetite: is protein and fat. Yeah. So do a hard, you know, do two hard-boiled eggs and an avocado and extra virgin olive oil. And this is where I was going to go with you. You're already doing a great job getting rid of the blue light. Two hours is the magical number. Give me at least an hour, but mm. you're already there. Yep. Make the room extremely dark and extremely cold. I run those. That's <laughs> perfect. I've bought <laughs> oh, the sleep masters. You're doing the sleep got, mask.
2: Yeah, I've got the mask. Yep. And it's comfy as, and it's a, all my deep sleep is straight away. Yep. Like Jill reckons, she's like, as soon as you hit the pillow, you're out cold. Yeah, I'm like that. And like on my Garmin, it yep. is. It's if I get an hour of deep sleep it's or right an hour and a half, it's like right there and there might be a little bit at like three o'clock or something. Yeah. Is that typical?
3: Well, it is typical and, and I know we're jumping around here, but it's it's great conversation. When you first fall asleep, we need you to go into deep sleep as quickly as possible because within that 20 to 30 minutes of falling asleep, that's when your body, think about like a fuel injector, that's when your body injects HGH and testosterone. That's why naps are so good. Mm, I try um, to have all my clients nap on the weekends. I was
2: going to ask you about that because I, I look and I'm like, I get angry because I can't control my deep sleep. Right. I can control if I go for a cycle. Exactly. You know, if I have to do a two-hour cycle and I pull out an hour and a half, well, yeah, that's, that's my fault. You, yeah. You know, but when I wake up and I go man I only did 40 minutes eh? I am meant to be doing 2 hours. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and that's where it becomes frustrating because hormones you as you just articulated, you cannot drive hormones as much as we joke that, you know, our sex drive, you know, men are always on, so to speak. How many guys do you know 25 30 years old? I can give you a dozen of them that are pro racers can't get an erection. Yeah. Oh hell yeah.
2: And what's that? Overtrained or Yeah, it's the adrenals are yeah. over stress
3: yeah. because it's a hormonally driven activity. So that's why I say if you have low sex drive, craving simple sugars, night sweats, and you're tired and you can't sleep, you've got one or all of the big signs of adrenal. Yeah. F- you got the red light in the corner trying to get your attention. So going back to like you're saying right there, if you don't satisfy appetite, your body's like, "All right, I need to go to sleep, but I'm hungry, so I'm going to stay up." So when your goal is is to get to sleep as deeply, uh, the deep sleep as quickly as possible, which you're already doing, Then you want to get as many cycles of that as you can through the night. That's why I was saying earlier, it's got to go deep sleep, light sleep, transition, deep Mm. sleep, light sleep. And it'll be dark blue, light blue, and then it'll go that red. Transition is just going from REM 1 to REM 3. REM 1 rejuvenates the brain. REM 3, deep sleep, rejuvenates the body. If you think about a funnel, if the listeners, again, would draw a funnel on a piece of paper, at the top of the funnel, MCT, medium chain triglycerides, Mm. high quality fats, they have to come into the funnel.
1: MCT oil? No. That shit's good, man. Yep. Yeah. I Maddie has it here. It's like a it's like a coconut oil, yeah. right? Like yeah. a, it's like a real heavy fat. You could have that in your tea and stuff. And that's I, where I, I put, was gonna say yeah. with
3: the tea. If you don't want to eat an avocado and eggs before bed, this is why I said to Dunge on the TV show, Did you eat your ice cream before it's bed? Full of fat, full of fat and it's full of fat and protein. Now again, before someone leaves a nasty message and says, Oh, it's got sugar in it, I get that. If you want to eat an avocado and egg, go for it. I'm doing a Haagen-Dazs bar. Mm. It's just a feel-good food. To me, I always look at food as a percentage. Like you're mixing two-stroke oil. If you're getting a lot of fat and a lot of protein, a little sugar is going to be offset by the fat and protein. <laughs> I've done it for years and it's worked. Now there'll be yeah. somebody that says, "Oh, well, I have an adverse reaction to sugar." Great, it doesn't work for you, but it but, works for everybody else. But then
2: they have a nervous, they have a reaction to vodka as well.
3: Exactly. Hey.
2: Yep. Well, I love that. Yep, they go on with all this stuff. The people who do all these comments and stuff, you know, they're out partying all the time. And yep, I think man, <laughs> yeah, Red Bull, like and no vodka <laughs> and some fucking <laughs> Coke. Talking about <laughs> sugar that Dungy's eating in his ice cream, yeah. and his yeah. old mate pumping nine vodka Red Bulls. Do you do you nap at all? Yeah, that's where I was saying is I'm like, wait, pull this close to your face. I don't want to you always it say just pull that, it, man. Just pull it and do it. It's not hard. I don't want it near me face. <laughs> it sounds better <laughs> for the people listening. a <laughs> basher. Right, I mean, Do you nap? Yeah. Oh, I don't want
3: to talk anymore. <laughs> and, 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 and Can't co- eat anyway, so <laughs> and, why bother? <laughs> and, and the cool part is when you look at that. So when you when you satisfy appetite, your body will go to deep sleep quickly. It'll be able to stay there longer, so you're getting a longer injection of HGH and testosterone. And remember for the listeners, HGH is the hormone, I'm sorry, HGH is human growth hormone. That's what makes you leaner naturally. So if you want to recover from the load you submitted the body to, allow it to sleep. So you've got to get to deep sleep, and you've got to stay there for as many hours as possible, at least eight. Mm. Now, I know that's idealistic for some of the listeners like, yeah, but you don't understand my life. I get it. I understand. But at some point, remember what we said earlier? Are you going to wait until your system is diseased before you're going to go, oh, I'm mm. going to make it a priority? Because it's always, and I don't want, I lost my mom to cancer, so it's not a, an easy subject for me to talk about. But the bottom line is, why do we wait till we get a diagnosis to take shit seriously? Mm. You know, if you're, if you're a type 1 diabetic and you're on an insulin pump, you take blood sugar and glycemic index real serious. Well, mm. we have pancreases that work. It ins, you know Our pancreases yeah, release insulin. We eat shit food and it doesn't matter because our pancreas does all yeah. the work for us. Well, when you've got something in your body that doesn't do it correctly, if you've ever had a loved one that's a type 1 diabetic or they're on an insulin pump, it's life or death. Mm. So, why wait till we get to a level of disease before we decide that that's just... We were talking about we're supposed to be the smartest species mm-hmm. and we do some of the stupidest things. So, Back to what Todd was saying, I need you to get to sleep quickly. I need you to stay there for as long a period as time so we get as many sleep cycles as possible. These, these watches are great because you can see how many sleep cycles you get. Now, we can influence that. If you satisfy hunger with fat and protein, that's going to help. You're already killing the blue light, which we said earlier. What about hydration? Hydration is like, a huge
1: role. Can you be too hydrated? Like if you're drinking that much water now before bed, yep. Like do you have to get up to piss? So you sleep straight but, through. But yep. people
3: do struggle with it. So yeah. I always
1: say... I, I, I don't, but I don't no, drink enough water. I just, I don't but reckon. see,
2: like as you can see, I'm like a eight thirty nine o'clock sort of person because I'm up at 5. Sure. And it don't matter. I can I can go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, and I'm up, up at 5. That's your wake-up call. That's your circadian rhythm. Yeah. That's
3: what we were talking about earlier. That's that circadian rhythm that he's programmed himself for, which is a good thing. If we get rid of the blue light, which he's doing, we satisfied appetite. The room needs to be super, super cold. I'll think about a hibernating bear. Literally, it needs to have no light whatsoever, no digital clocks, no phone in the room, nothing, no sounds. White noise is okay, but anytime there's a conversation, radio, TV, your brain wants to engage in that conversation. Oh, man.
1: that's so true. That's it's what so we're wired hard to block for. That shit out. You can't. Yeah, I had a nap today, and the TV was on, and yep. I'm like. I was just like, no, nah, just focus. Yeah, <laughs> just just sleep, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and try to you talk know, yourself into yeah, going to sleep. I was trying to <laughs> talk myself into sleep, and I like, and then it just doesn't. It doesn't yeah, work. It doesn't well, work. Well, the
3: brain is amazing. It's like me giving you the pink cow with black spots. Yeah. you know, the brain is you can't you can't control it, but yet you can control it if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then the last part, Michael always gives me a lot of fun about this is go to bed sexually satisfied mm-hmm. because that hormonal release. There's outside of being nursed there's nothing that's gonna give you that same level of gratification. So if you put that package together, it's dark, it's cold, there's no light, there's no audible sounds, you're, you've satisfied hunger and you're sexually satisfied, you're gonna set the tone for a good night's sleep. Now you don't have to on the air, say if you and Jules were you know, amorous that night before. Every night, bro? But, yeah. But, like, yeah, but 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 those <laughs> yeah. are the things to take into yeah. consideration when all. Of a sudden That's you have why that, I fall uh-huh. asleep so quick every Wait, night. But there, <laughs> is, but there
1: is a chemical in the male yeah. um, body that is released when you. Have
3: sex. It is for everybody, yeah. male or female. No, I th-
1: I, th- I thought females was the opposite. Yeah, it no. keeps them away. Yeah, because doesn't, doesn't it keep females more awake No,
3: it'll do the same. Like if they're on their menstrual cycle and they you know take care of it themselves or with their partner, it'll it, those cramps will go away almost immediately. Really? Oh yeah, I'm gonna write a book on it. What about the more sex the better? <laughs> what about yeah. every day, three times a day? <laughs> Poor heart, I'll think. buy your first copy. <laughs> <of things>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but
1: I thought, yeah, I always thought that a eh? like that. Yeah. Because for yeah for guys you just like conk out pretty much straight yeah. away yeah but for girls it's the it's the opposite I like thought that was the, well yeah, and there there's chemicals. and I
3: haven't heard that so I don't want to come out as sounding ignorant like oh yeah I'm the authority of it I'm just saying historically that level of relaxation that comes yeah. with it it's just it's a great way to complete the day and if we hey, go man. back if we go back to the <laughs> yes. the overlapping of circadian rhythm now you got low levels of cortisol you've got that hormonal release you've satisfied appetite.
1: Man. Yeah, it's like what boxes can you check for the system to be okay? It well, it goes back to Todd's
3: original question, though. How come one night I can get it? It just happened to be the night of Coolum and he nailed Did it. Did you have
1: sex before Coolum? No. Nah, before the Sunday? That's
3: the only time
2: I got this thing that I don't race night.
1: Really? Yep. Yeah. So who told it's just you that? The thing.
2: No one just me why what's your because for it? some reason i kept axing myself when i was younger <laughs> right, so, <he> was, <laughs> you so i mean, got this bit of a thing but then other people like i remember ford my buddy ty <laughs> simmons it was the other way for him yeah like so he couldn't did. race unless he did
1: well valentino rossi like you hear like famous stories of valentino rossi i, I can imagine with like a full bus of bad bitches like that that was his thing and he'd literally Before, like every night Right? Bro- no like uh, before, before the, race the fucking race, like on this everyone like else a, is on like the a rock star like, going yeah, behind yeah, the stage, yeah. literally like, on what? the start like, on the start line, everyone's like grid walk, and he's in the trail of banging chicks. No way. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I don't know him, obviously, but like this is stories I've heard from everybody. Yeah. His results are pretty good. Yeah, and he was just <laughs> like, yeah, he would have a trailer full of Man. chicks and be like banging as he's walking out to the star one <laughs> but that could just be that whole thing about like not wanting to it, think about the race it rays. works for him
3: yeah, yeah. It, it goes back to it works for him so, you,
1: so you've always just had that superstition I never knew that yeah. about you yeah
3: yeah that's why Jules doesn't go to the race with him anymore. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, man, I'm not being part of this. <laughs> this is a waste of my time. Why am I going? <laughs> oh, this is shit. <laughs> but that? I love it though, because now what you can do is literally you can test it. You know, because yeah. it's it's a really simple routine. You know, even like in, like you said, you're an early guy to go to bed. You know, yeah. You're brushing your teeth. You have the or excuse me, do like a smoothie or an avocado and eggs or you know avocado toast or something. Document, document, document. Mm-hmm. And then once you know it works, that's what I don't want the listeners to get overwhelmed with. So I have to do it every day, find out what works, and then just simply do it. Yeah. You know, that you're, uh, you know, Jules' dad, once he figured it out, yeah. he's not having to weigh the grams. You just kind of know what they mm-hmm. are, yeah, and boom, yeah. you got it. Yeah. And if you go back full circle, whether it's Red Bull, whether it's the Olympic Training Center, you've got to document and you've got to be open minded to the idea that the numbers, I don't want to say don't lie because you can fabricate numbers to sing any song you want. I, I'm, again, yeah. I'm not naive. But on the flip side of that, if you understand what works, now we're back to I can build Todd's confidence. Now we get into what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Is he confident because of what he's accomplishing or is he accomplishing a lot because he's confident? Mm. Well, obviously they've got to become interchangeable, which then goes reverse engineer this. We got to know what he did before he went to bed. We've got to watch in the details that show us the result. Do you know what you did to create the result? Take him to the track. Yeah. He peels a second off. When I was working with Dunge and we were at the goat farm, you know, a second at that level, I mean that's huge. like 4 minutes for you and I. Did, I mean, it's did huge. Dunge,
1: yeah. Did Dunge Did do sections the way that Ricky did? Mm-hmm. So he worked on sections mm-hmm. a lot as well. Oh, absolutely. W- yeah, was cuz that uh, did Ben ever tell you about that stuff? Mm. The section shit. Do you ever do that? Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nowadays. Yeah, that was pretty cool here in like the way that Ben would talk about the mm. that whole sections DLA, Yep. But yeah, I, I never I never knew if if Dunge did the same thing. Yep.
3: Well, you know, with being there with Ricky and stuff, I mean, obviously there's a huge influence there, and mm. I just always love being around Ricky because he and James, I think we alluded to this in the last show. They just have an eye, you know. Todd'll see things that you and I just won't see, mm. and then there's things that James and Ricky would see that just couldn't be seen. Yeah. Um, just it, Jedi shit. Well, it it. it to me the the best example i could give you was uh, barnett had just built our track at at the goat farm and so you've got this track no one had ridden it and ricky and and dunge are out and we're sitting on the finish line jump and ricky just says well how would you do this section and dunge you know right hander it was a single onto a tabletop single another tabletop double into the corner and dunge explains it and ricky goes no you come out and you'd seat bounce that and you would triple that onto the single-single go over. like, there's no way. And Ricky just goes up, gets geared up, just yeah. first lap, just sends it. <laughs> it's just a... Pers- there's That's a set of eyes that... Because yeah. I wouldn't have looked at that and thought that could be doable. Well,
1: even the other day, like just when we rode, we rode the sand track the other day. And there's like, you know where we were sitting? You come out of that tree section and then you go right-hander and then that shitty left tight thing mm. and then like me and Maddie just whoa, whoa. and then Todd just went Bop, bot, and doubled his way through both of it and I was thinking I was like oh fuck that's like gnarly like I couldn't do that and then I was thinking about it. I'm like it's not really that hard like you just it's two really little doubles you've just mm-hmm. got to like do everything right before it and then just do the jump like mm-hmm. it, you've just got to time it out right concentrate oh. focus and just like do those two little things but when you put it together the way that you did it looks like super fast and super gnarly but at the end of the day you're just setting yourself up to do Mm -hmm. that one thing right and then you're doing that all over the track
3: had you been there before oh yeah that place yeah yeah. okay here's the reason why i'm asking when i was working with chisholm and that's when he was teammates with stewart there was this small track that was at the end of... I don't know if you remember Kyle Keelan. No. Nah. Kyle Keelan, um, he was riding for Butler Brothers. His dad killed it. He's just a great family all the way around. They had this track that was down at the end of their street. Um, Randy Yoho, who owns Dade City, yeah. had this piece of property. Well, you've got you've got Chisholm and Keelan and all these guys ride it all the time. Well, that's when Josh Grant was riding for Factory Connection. Yeah. He rolls up in his van never seen the track before. This is what I think is so cool about this level of racing that Todd's at. Josh does a couple stand-up laps, comes out of this left-hander and completely seat bounces an entire section that no one had ever done. But those guys had put 25,000 laps on this track. My point is, Josh comes up, sees it completely different, and just completely does something that no one else has thought about. And I remember seeing that, I was like, how in the heck could he do that? And then, of course, you go to Daytona and you have that wall that James Seat bounced in the main event. I would have never seen. I don't want to get into Adderall. I don't care if he's had that tunnel vision or not. Just the fact yeah, that, that you shit saw. that doesn't make that much fucking difference. I had Adderall all last still, week. That, I was still me. And that and that was sucked. still his idea. Yeah, you're not going to seat bounce a wall, right? You Fuck know. No. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy.
1: I just set up the podcast quicker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And that's where you realize you're like, it's it's him seeing it completely different than how yeah. you looked at it, and then he does it, and you're like, well, that makes so much sense. Yeah. That's the difference between a good athlete. And a world champion. Oh yeah. And
2: speaking about world champions, Jeffrey Hurlings. Yeah. Oh, man, in two thousand eighteen we're at Lommel and we're just training right, pull up at the training mechanic. And Jeffrey comes around. It looks like he's on a different track. Like unbelievable. Yeah, in the sand. Like it's just.
1: That's what we were saying the other day. We right with you. We're like, fuck, Todd's fast. <laughs> Hurlings smokes him. Oh like, yeah, it's so
2: it's so gnarly. Man. To think well, about. we said but that
3: today. How can you fathom that? Like nah, that guy fucked, that got third, man. and you're like, how are two guys better than him? Oh, Go crazy. ahead with your thoughts. Sorry. Yeah,
2: but Jeffrey. He so we're sitting there and he comes around. It's at Lommel before the finish, and it was, you know, waist deep bumps. <laughs> like it's yeah. gnarly during the week. And he just comes around he just... Two feet on the pegs, around like wheelies, the bumps around the corner. And then he just goes, picks it up like halfway down the straight, wheelies, and then goes... And there's like two big bumps around the corner, like that. And he, from back here, just goes... And jumps have to be 15 or 20 meters. I mean, oh. like a long... <laughs> I'll, like, I've seen lots of people ride. And You're yes. like, oh, that's cool, you know. But yeah. this was like, like... My jaw just dropped and he just jumped so far land into it and just went out like that and I was like I'm just going to do that today like wow. you know I'm just going to work on this section yep. and I'm just going to do that I was there man <laughs> <laughs> I think I did a couple, a couple of tanks of fuel just trying to do it really I couldn't get my front wheel to it mm. like that is the difference of how fast just that overall speed that he carries around the soundtrack. Yep. like I was just blown away but How are you supposed to, like, race that dude? No, eh? you can't. Like, what were you honestly. thinking on the
1: start line, like, when you had to race that guy?
2: No, nah, like... Race him for second? Man, like, honestly. <laughs> that's I mean, sucks, dude. That's horrible feeling. <laughs> it is. It's difficult because, like, I I broke my collarbone then and I come back from injury and we're riding it, like, it was a basic hard pack track in Holland. And Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's that's his track that he okay. rides a lot because he's a sand master, so he... He wants to track. Ride the hard pack you there. Know. Yeah, and now he's an overall killer, you know. But back when I was in there in two thousand fourteen, I was riding there a bit when he was on MX two bike. Okay, and you know him and I were not so different on that. He was on MX two bike, obviously mm-hmm. I was on four hundred and fifty. But on that track, it's just a basic hard clay sort uh, black soil track, tabletops, nothing difficult, you know. Yeah. So we were pretty similar then, and but then we go to sand, he just smoked me. Like he was night and day different, but now he's just he's, he's not done and day different everywhere. Yeah, now he's upped his game on the hard pack stuff. He's just, yeah, he's solid. But anyway, went to that track, and I think it was Paul Arn or some, like there was a top level rider there. And, and I was like a second and a half off, and I was like, oh man, I'm feeling good, like blah blah. blah. And I said to the practice mechanic, I was like, oh, what's Hurlings do around here? And they're like, oh, he's 10 seconds quicker. Oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, the track must have been sick. Like, it must have been smooth, you know? Yeah. And they're like, no, no, he'd be 10 seconds. And they're laughing. I was like, oh, yeah? Seconds. And then we, like, d- drive back to the van. And I'm what, like... What, is this
1: on the hard pack track or the sand track? No, on the hard pack track. Really? Yeah.
2: 10 so seconds. So, I'm thinking this track is just, like, ripped. Like, you know, nice ruts. Yep. Not rough. Yeah. Tabletops. Like, it's, it's not a track to be getting 10 seconds on. Like like i said i'm the second and a half of the guy that's doing good you know sure. and i'm at that point i was like around the 10th 11th 12th place at the gps like i was nowhere you know so i was like man that's gnarly like normally normally when i was racing gps if you're within the three seconds of the winner like you're yeah it's good you day. know you're you're there for top fives kind of
3: thing like we're what just, were lap times on it on the track um, they were high, so they were the fifty twos, I believe, and ten seconds faster. Yeah. See, that's what's when you look at a percentage, that's what blows my mind. Would it have be been yeah. a
1: one fifty two or like a two fifty two? No
3: one. 152? So it was
2: it was a track like Maury. Yeah, you know, Maori yeah, track. Yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. just flat, but like a two no minutes. Let's just
3: round it up to two minutes. Ten yeah. seconds on a two minute lap time, as a percentage. Oh, wow that's freaking insane so like for example wow. yeah yeah
2: like damn this year like we uh, last year we went over and raced the f- like three of the ama ones and i think i got 10th i was behind cooper so cooper got ninth i got 10th in the qualifying at um colorado the okay, high one yep so like and i think i was i think we were maybe two off the lead off tomac or whoever qualified first there so like you know it's not that crazy when no but when you're around the top when you're around like a top five i mean when you're like within two seconds you're around you know your 10th or 15th you're in it you know you're kind of there i'm not going i'm not at that level anymore like you know once upon a time i was getting fourths and some podiums and gp i'm not there anymore you know but 10 seconds off i'm like man come on and i just remember I'd ride and then go back in because I'm with Jeremy Sewer and that and he's faster but n- not much. You sure, know? Like, sure. It's a practice day. It's smooth. There's nothing difficult. So I'll go back to Van. I'm like, we eat lunch. I'm like, 10 seconds, you <laughs> yeah, reckon? Like, exactly. you know, It was just with me. I was like, I'd love – and I'm going, I'd love to see that, eh? I like, can't imagine <laughs> <you me> too, <laughs> can imagine <laughs> you too. I'm just thinking – I just couldn't let it go anyway Hurlings turns up towards the end of the day boom 10 seconds track's
1: rough as fuck
2: no no, no oh yeah. but by like the
1: end of the day like it's not like he's riding it fresh. fresh first lap yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah but like legit 10 seconds my point I was just like this guy is incredible honestly because I just kind of look back when he was a kid like when I was a kid as well when we were over there and and I went riding with him a bunch of times and stuff and to where like and he was the sand king like and don't get me wrong you won world championships and but now I'm just like it's just so so
1: do you reckon you've nah. got slower since you were on the podium in the GPs nah. or just they just get quicker at a crazy no rate? that
2: is the funny thing Yeah. so like I was over there on the Honda and, and your reef's like man what are you doing Like, like blah blah and I was like I'll give you some facts like I'm I got 14th or no I got 12th at indo i'm like i'm battling with bob rusheff max nagel you know like i beat him in some races that's a podium <laughs> like yeah when i was over there i haven't changed none of us have changed it's yeah. just all these other punks are in front of us yeah you know
1: like why do you reckon that obvious- dudes like that can get that much better like you know what i mean because it's like yeah you're not slower like you riding at cool when i saw you on the sunday at coolum That's probably the best I've ever seen you ride. Like, you look fucking awesome. And it's like, that version of you, better than the version of you that got a podium. Yeah. You couldn't podium in the GP right now.
2: Yeah, but like, when I was... And it's just how it is. We're older dudes. So, when when we podiumed, you know, Hurlings wasn't in there. He was MX2. Yeah. Tim Geiser, Jeremy Siwa. Like, all these guys... Fevra... Fevra stepped up my second year when I was there, and he won the world championship. Yeah, yeah. But like all these guys, you know, they weren't there, so they're they're just coming up. There's a level, and that's what makes Tony Caroli just incredible. Yeah, because true. Because huh? every able to cover everybody, every single other person. Like I step back, like at the last round at Imola, I'm I'm battling with Tommy Searle. Yeah, and and um both Tommy Searle and I caught up to, um, what's his name? The Pommy. Anderson. That was on Ice One. Oh. Um, uh, just brain. Oh, Anstey. Yeah, Max yeah, Anstey. Yeah, yeah. So we caught up to Max and like, I'm like, it's kind of funny, I went back and I was like, man, this is insane. I just had a hell race. Like, I mean, we're nailing each other. Like, I hit Tommy Searle, and then he's tried to hit me and I'm pretty wide (laughs) and he's ended up on the ground Where things are going everywhere. GPs are insane. I mean, we're going for it and it's the, you've just done like a full day before you've even scored a point. Right, Your body's fatigued. Sure. You're you're going for it. There's roost and there's all these people going everywhere and they're aggressive in GPs Mm. because at the end of the day, there's 20 dudes that are so fast. So, It's just carnage. Yeah. It doesn't get so spread out like you think. And so we're just going for it. And I come over and I was like, that was the sickest race ever. Like, caught up to Max. Like, Max, I think he podiumed three or four times that year. Yeah. And And, he's still doing really well. And he's back battling with me in 14th. Yeah. And Tommy Searle, you know, I was there racing with Tommy Searle. Like, the level hasn't changed. It's just. The new dudes just coming out so fast. Yeah. And that's what makes. At the end of the day, it's world championship. Like that's how it should be. Yeah, it's the best in the world. And now because of that age rule, it is. When I was yeah. there, it was kind of the new, kind of the new. Just thing. as that started, yeah. So the MXGP class was, I wouldn't say thin, but it was. It just had like your sell and and your Coroli, and you had your few dudes that just won, like your Tomax and Roxins. You know, they just yeah. they just won like that. Whereas now, like I just explained, Anstey's in fourteenth. But we like you before, said, the curl the is still covering everybody. It's That's incredible. what's so amazing. It's incredible, and not that I had a lot to do with him, but like we raced Italian championship, and we'd go across on the ferry and stuff like that, and and like one memory that stuck with me was our first race that Mitch just raced. Yeah. At, at um, Sardinia, cold little island. It's mm-hmm. in winter because everywhere else is frozen. Deep sand track you had to stand like on the 45 because the wind was blowing so hard reminds me of Melbourne a bit in winter and we're on the start line Jill and I stand there watching the MX2 start and I'm like oh there's Crowley like I'm just that pumped I'm like there's Crowley he just comes walking straight over and he's like oh hey Todd I just want to welcome you to Europe like blah blah and I was just like very cool I was like man and like my old man was over in his truck getting photos gave him a thing and like when we're on the ferry he comes over and talks to you and, and he's his wife um jill always comes over and says hello gets on with my chick jill well the gp they're really relaxed and like he eats apparently jill cooks all the pasta for him so he just he just eats you know it's not like it's not rocket science Mm. and at the end of the day i was at that track at sardinia like just hard to do 30 minutes around it and he was doing our motos so he had his mechanics there. He'd just come out of the thing and he'd do an hour moto, fill up halfway, our moto. That's what
1: Kenny used to do when, like, when Kenny first moved to America. I used to go to Cahia Creek with him. No one else was there. Like he'd yep. just go there when it was just him by himself, and he'd do thirty, pull in. Father would uh, fill up the tank, mm. fill it back up, and he'd go out and just. It was literally like a. Like a Formula One pit stop, like boom, yep. there was no fucking around. It was li- literally just like no water, no nothing. Like pull in, fuel, go out. And yeah, it's like, it is such a an like, old school GP thing. I think yep. that's why Ken's dad got frustrated with like the training and stuff here with Ken, because like, oh, in America, because he just was like, they just, they, he would run with Ken, they'd do everything, just do like our motos, and then yeah. they'd go to America, and it's just like all this fucking extra, extra sort of shit that everyone was trying to get him to do and that that euro mentality was just like
2: yeah and that interests me rob because you're obviously from the states and got a really high education on all that sort of stuff and don't get me wrong the the europeans aren't like they're not mucking around but like i kind of touched on like i've experienced it with like going really deep with my nutrition yeah and then being like hang on it's just taken all my focus away that the thing that i actually do that i kind of just stood back and i'm like okay as long as i'm doing it well mm-hmm. and it gives me the chance to focus on what i need to do like like when you weigh it up like diet opposed to riding your motorbike like it needs to be here mm-hmm. you know like it and that's where i kind of went a bit like this like i chased the diet thing so much that and i'd sacrifice the riding part. Yeah, exactly. that that because that's how i am i go 110 percent. so i stood back a little bit with that and and just kind of looking at the european side of things like your Stribos, there's all these successful guys that they all live in belgium so yeah. you see them all the time at the test tracks and stuff like that you know they're they're eating waffles and mm-hmm. like it's not a it's
1: it's not a science
2: to them no nah, but the one thing they do is they work so hard like I explain, like, you go to tracks and it's just being exposed to that. That's the thing that I kind of felt last year when I went to States. I was like, go to Glen Helen, you know? And I was like, I don't want to go to Glen Helen after I went there. Yeah. The thing is dead smooth and wide open. Yeah. Sketchy. I just want to go to a track that hasn't been prepped for, like, six months that's just, like, bruh, and my back muscles are crying Mm. and my legs are burning. Like, I'm not... Like, I... I like that. I enjoy that, you know, that technical side and where the body's blowing up and, and you're working. Like, I don't get kicks out of just going wide open. And oh man, it's thirty five minutes. Like, I better pull gotta in. go. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so that's a good thing. A good question for yourself. Like, from both sides, like how how do you manage that? Like the obviously we see a lot of things from America like here in Australia we we only look at America mostly it's only these last say 5 years yeah. that we started sort of looking at the world GPs and stuff cuz but when I went and raced there I didn't know any of the riders mm. obviously Corley and that. sure sure but I didn't know half the riders cuz but I knew everyone on the start line in America like we look at a lot of stuff in America yeah and what's your thoughts on that like the the way that can you go too deep with Certain things.
3: Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier. If you look at the influx of the new riders and the GPs, they did have what Kenny had at 12 years old, and they've done something with it. So when those guys jump into the premier class, like you said, there's immediately 10 guys that that foundation is there, the speed is there. But they've taken the information they've been given and actually done something with it mm. and i think that's the difference if you go back unfortunately to when you turned pro you said at 16 yeah you know what information wasn't even around at that point yeah you know now you look at let's say 12 more years that's a child that was 6 years old yep. is now 18 years old in those 12 years and has the red bull experience and is doing something with it mm-hmm. and then goes into the premier class That's why they're frog hopping past a generation of you. Yeah. Because what lack of knowledge you had puts you in 10th through 15th and allows them to go one through 10. Yeah. Now, going back to your question about, you know, I think I don't want to sound jaded. To me, you've got to have your food and your sleep and your hydration as the foundation, which then allows you to take the riding to the next level. But I think mm. riding has to supersede everything. Yeah. However, it's got to be balanced with the food and the sleep. Yeah, you got to be like looking after your body to like get the most. To out get of the it. most out of the ride Otherwise, session.
1: no point riding if the body's not.
3: Yeah. And and that's where I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting what Todd's saying. I think riding has to supersede it, but it's kind of like you could have a a, a factory bike that has no fuel and somebody's PDA is going to beat it because it literally literally has fuel is as bad of an analogy as that is. Yeah. That's why I look at it is it's like, I don't want you. And this is where I'm not trying to sell our services to the listeners. What I'm saying is that's what we do for a living. Yeah. I don't spend 15 hours a day living, breathing and eating getting my bikes prepped, getting to the track. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help guide the athlete what to do at the track. Because when you look at the time that you spend on the motorcycle, you have to treat it from an energy system standpoint. If I'm training a professional triathlete, we don't do speed work every single day in every single discipline. So there are some days it's, even tempo. It's an act of recovery. Sometimes it's simply aerobic enhancement. And then there's days that it's speed work. It's race pacing based on, like you said, periodization. There's Mm -hmm. a right and a wrong time to go fast. There's a right and a wrong time to go slow. That's periodization. That's what we do for a living. When you go to the track, you've got to be able to balance that out. That's why I was saying when I do the workouts, I do a percentage, how many hours, what percentage is aerobic and anaerobic off the bike? Take that full circle when you look at the way that the Europeans ride, everything hinges around the ability to ride, but they're, what they don't neglect is the balance. Mm. They're not afraid to eat a waffle. They're not afraid to eat a baguette. They're not afraid to eat a bagel, you know, but it, this is where the listener may take it out of context. When you're already burning 5,000 calories, I'm not really worried if it's going to be a white bagel with some mm. cheese and some ham on it. I'm just glad that you can pick up an extra 600 calories. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm advocating that you don't eat healthy? No, I'm just saying we're hitting a point of diminishing returns where you simply aren't getting enough calories. Yeah. So if it gets taken out of context, so be it. I don't mean for it to, but that's the reality that we're, that we're dealing with. When you look at, and, and I think it's interesting because I look at Jet Lawrence. You know, obviously, we haven't seen Hunter yet, but I said this to you even the last time we were here. I'm amazed how much Australia thinks that Americans are on a supreme level and I've been saying it now for two years since we've been coming over here. I think the 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 receptiveness to learning, the, the work ethic, you guys have us beat hands down. You were talking about if you go to Glen Helen, if it's not the way you saw it, they won't go out and ride.
2: Yeah, it's see, we're from a different era. Like, like, I'm going to Coolum tomorrow where it's not prepped, like purposely because they have had a a race and but apparently it's getting rained out. So I'm going to Sandtrack where. It's on a private property Yep, and it's waist deep because I just want to be wheelie and like this and my back muscles hurt.
3: Absolutely. But like, if you're Glen Helen and you're getting money based on how many people sign up and they yeah. don't put it on their website that it's been groomed, nobody shows up. It's wall. And, the you know, our, our... But
1: you'd hear stories like the good dudes would always rock up to Glen Helen at like 3, three in three, the three afternoon. Like Baggett. Rough, That's, rough, rough. Yeah, Blake Baggett was famous for rocking up yep. super late in the day. And same was same with Alessi. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't see mm-hmm. Alessi out there until like three o'clock. It was hot as fuck and super rough. Yeah. So like you'd you'd hear though. I think that, yeah. I think that those guys that always were like super successful. It's like they were the ones that would yep. have that mentality that you did. And then the guys that weren't were the ones that were like, "All right, we'll be at the track at nine. We'll be out of here, and then we'll go do our little cycle at, yep. at uh, after lunch. We'll hang out at Chipotle, and you know."
3: Well, and this is this is where I'll probably get some people that will not like me anymore. But to me, this is where we've gotten into the pacification of the sport. Because if if the track gets rough and I'm not riding well, it's got to be how many times? And I hate to say this, but how many times do you hear it? Oh, bike setup, it's bike mm. setup, bike setup, <laughs> bike setup. Can't can't get the bike dialed. Well, the track's rough, and you simply don't want to do what it takes. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Stanton or Bailey or if it was Ward. You go back to those hardcore days. At the end of the, you know, second round of practice or however that was set up then, they didn't complain about the bike. This is what I'm going to race today, and I'm simply this way. i got to make it work. Today's riders nowadays, it's always the bike setup. Yeah. So when you look at the European guys – Maybe I'm wrong. You've been you spent a lot more time over there than I have. I don't ever remember hearing Carole or Hurley saying the bike sucks.
2: No, but do you know why? What I've seen is in Europe, obviously yes, yes, there's tests. Absolutely. They, they've got testers that test the products for then the GP riders to try and to to, to better, you know, that's sure. their system because KDM's there and everything. But yep. you don't really change your bike much. Mm-mm. Like in America, you know, Constantly. oh man man i went back in between like i went back for moto after moto one made some changes to the bike and and come out and got the wind in moto two changes the bike mm-hmm. like i hear that they just changing stuff all the time like big things like changing different linkages Literally. and stuff like this yeah. in between moto one and moto two like wasn't maddie riding different bikes in between motos this year yeah and i'm like i'm like man for me like like when people say i i'm not one for that like because mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned this is what the bike's doing like today's the test so i don't care what lap times anything sure like that enough. because today and like i explained i'm not really a lap time person yep Today's about getting the bike better so i ride around and i know people like to oh yeah but you can only gauge off lap times and this and that And i'm like man it's about feel yeah like i know yes i know lap times and stuff like that but like i don't know for me it's it's the bike is not balanced Mm -hmm. like it's diving in the forks making the ass light you know blah blah blah, going on today's about testing fixing your bike then tomorrow's about lap times and going fast absolutely you know like that's how i sort of work and i'm like when i come in after race it's like Man, I got my ass kicked today. Um, Do you reckon we can try some stuff on the bike, like this, this, and this? Sure. Like that to me is productive, not bike shit, bike shit. Like it's just ego, like you said before. Mm. But that's where
3: I think it goes back to your original question. When I look at the work ethic that you guys put into it, there's an appreciation for everything you get because there's not million dollar budgets, there's not million dollar salaries, there's there's still
2: dickheads. Yeah, there's always (laughs) going to there's always going to be those for sure. Yeah,
3: but. I have to go with the Hunter brothers. You know, when you look at Jet and uh, you—excuse me—you look at Jet and Hunter. Obviously, we haven't seen Hunter race. We have Jet, but look at Mm. Jet—sixteen years old. He didn't care. He didn't care. And everybody's complaining the ruts, and they're complaining. And again, I'm not anti-American or anything else. I'm just answering your question specifically. I think the Americans are going to start to get kind of rivaled a little bit. We're already getting our asses handed to us outdoors. And then we say, oh, it's because we're a Supercross specialty type. I don't buy that. We're yeah. racing more Supercrosses maybe than we've done in the past, but we only race January through May. It's not like we race January through October, and then we go do two months of moto. Mm. I, I don't buy that. So if you look, and we talked a little bit about designations and it being a pride thing, and you know, you want to get people fired up, talk to Stanton, talk to He talk to those guys where – you know, it oh, it's a long seat. There's just not a level of appreciation for it. There's not the level of, I, I hate to say it, I'm not a pro. You are, but it's refreshing to talk to somebody that says, I want the track to get deplorably rough, mm. not come in and say, I couldn't go fast because the track was rough. Yeah, and that's what we we're hearing. It's too rutted. It's too this. It's too that. Well, it was the same for the other 21 guys on the track. Mm. So, and you look at Jet. Jet just freaking cake walked it. Yeah. You know? And I still have feelings. This I haven't talked to Jet. You know him. I don't. To me, he looked like he came in a little tired and unfortunately, Yard darts himself at the very I don't I don't think Ferrandis caused that wreck. I mean, he knew he no, was on well, his he, last the, lap the reason you know? why
1: is that he threw it away before like he had like 11, four he times blew it, before yeah blew a 12 second lead that's why he crashed in the last lap but it that's ends. what i'm
3: saying to me that's a fatigue issue low blood sugar we could sit and analyze that in my own opinions but when you watch him at the beginning it's not like he was out there for 60 minutes yeah he's out there lap times are what just over a minute yeah at that level you can't go fast for 15 minutes that's a rider that came think, to the race tired. In just my opinion, I think the
1: crash fucked him. Like, cause oh he, yeah, cause he picking had such that bike a, up. Well, I just think he he would have just hit the panic buttons. He would have just had like he would have been in a comfy flow of that you know eleven second lead. But, but, if but you he could have crashed because he was
3: tired. But like he, he just yeah. he gave that lead up before Ferrandis was right on his tail end. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I mean? he was by himself essentially. Yeah. Let's give it half of that. Let's give him six of those twelve seconds. He gave those up. Mm. As if I was Todd's physiologist. I'd be like, we missed our food. Now I'm just using it as a hypothetical. We'd look at heart rate data because mm. as a cell membrane becomes, excuse me, as a cell becomes dehydrated, think about the surface area of a cell. As it becomes smaller because it's dehydrated, it can carry less and less oxygen. Mm. So the heart rate's going to keep going up and up, delivering less and less oxygen. So the body's getting more stressed but desperate for oxygen, yeah. hydration. You mentioned it earlier with even with sleep. Now again, I'm I'm armchair quarterbacking this big time, but when you look at Jet, you look at his qualifying, you look at everything looked great, but then all of a sudden, boom, he throws anchor. That's just not Jet. That's he's not an accidental champion. Mm-hmm. He just man something went wrong. So if I was Johnny O working with him, I'd be really looking at nutrition. I'd be looking at I'd want to know what his sweat rate was after that race, even though he may or may not. I know he got injured. I would not that we're going to say, hey, before you go to the hospital and get your yeah, shoulder yeah. looked at, step on the scale, but that's what I'd be, that's what your motor is going to, that's what your motor mm-hmm. guy is going to look at. Yeah. If that thing grenaded, he's going to download the data. The difference is you're doing with a human versus a machine, yeah. but they're still downloading data. That's what I would be looking at, whether we're at practice or whether we're at Coulomb. It, we've got to know the information. And another thing, too, what I find interesting is if Todd has a horrible day, everybody wants to microanalyze it. He has a great day. Nobody wants to analyze it. Yeah. To me, you can learn more mm-hmm. from your better days than you can your bad days. Now, yeah. I don't want that to sound hypocritical. Obviously, you learn a lot in your bad days. As Ricky says, data. all. But
1: there's data. in the good days too. Well, which is like you said, that yeah. sleep well, isn't our cool. goal
3: about duplicating success. Yeah. But yet we don't blueprint what we did to create the success. He has one night of good deep sleep, but can't understand why. Yeah. That hurts because you can't. You can't. And you can't carry it forward. Well, eventually you get to a level of depletion. That's what we're trying to avoid. Mm. So when we look at why is there that disparity and you know the the Europeans and all that to answer your question, I think we blame everybody but ourselves. If mm-hmm. if I could if I could sum it up in one comment, mm. we do not we're not into accountability and responsibility. Yep. This country now that we've spent this is our third trip over and we've spent quite a few months here, it's a difference of night and day. And anybody who follows me in the States may think that I'm a jerk now and may call me names. And that's fine. I just, I'm amazed at the difference. Mm. There's an appreciation for a track. Not of the 13 tracks we can go to in a 30-minute window, this one's in bad shape. Mm. It's like, we're just glad there's a track open. Yeah. You know, we're riding with, we, I don't want to mention any names, but we were riding at a particular facility this weekend. You know, and the track was, it was wet. We had a and but... Out of those four guys riding, not one of them complained about it mm. until it shaped it up. But you would; these guys would in the states would have packed up and gone home because the track was too wet. It's just like the appreciation to ride is completely different. You know, guys at home won't ride for fifty k, and yet fifty k over here, people are like just thankful they get paid to go race, race a dirt bike. Mm. Yeah,
2: well, I'm like tomorrow I'll drive two hours one way to so two hundred k. Yep. So in that day, I'll drive four hours in the car. I'll do my riding, come back, and then so I'll I'll leave at five thirty tomorrow morning. Yep. So I'm back just after lunch, and then exact same thing to go up to the sunny coast the next day. So exactly like you said, because the Lawrence's are from the sunny coast, and mm. when I was younger, I lived at a track there with Ford Dale. Okay. And the Hunt, the Lawrence's used to come out with young Hunt who is on like at eighty-five. Now. Okay. So they have rode the tracks like around here that like you said we've got that mentality where we're just like our tracks sometimes suck Mm -hmm. they're so hard and baked like got a place at scotty bennon's where it's just a private track he rips it up and it's like a clay dirt and it's just awesome you know but then you can think when you go there in summer and it's not prepped like there's no water facilities or anything and i'll go there when i was racing in europe i was going there and doing 40 minute motos around there and i'd shred a tire till there's canvas in 40 minutes like it's like concrete yeah but when you're in europe you go to arco to trento and the track is like riding a quarry Mm. like they don't rip it yeah it's honestly they just it's like they've graded it and they chuck a bit of water on when after you've walked the track on friday yep that's it like in america like the tracks are done just insane they're putting water in for three, four days and like the work that goes in. And that's what's so different and what I appreciate about the world championship. I love America. I love everything about the place. You know, it's Mm -hmm. awesome. Like going to an event there is just insane, but from a rider's side of view to race a world championship, it's like one minute you're flying to the other side of the world in a country where if you crash, they're probably going to amputate your leg. Mm. Like, that's a scary thing. Yeah, yeah, how about Ferris's deal in Brazil or whatever? Like, fucking gnarly. Yeah, like gnarly stuff like that. And then the tracks are just, no joke. Like, uh, we race Argentina and then it was something like Lommel the weekend after and it's like, it just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. It's really hard to prepare for.
3: Well, and then think what you were saying. When you go to a track and it's perfectly prepped... And then it does start to dry out. It's windy. It's what happened to us yesterday when we were riding where we were at. Mm. We got there. It was muddy. The sun came out. The wind picked up. Four bikes aired it out. It went from muddy to pristine to dry and slippery. Yeah. All in the course of two hours. Well, to me, if I have the privilege of working with you, I'm like, what do you do every hour? How are you adapting the bike? Mm. And there's a reason why I'm going here. If you can't tell me how we're going to adjust the, the compression and rebound, if you can't tell me how we're going to change air pressure and the tires and all that, there's a guy, and I'm not going to mention the team, and I'm not going to mention any of the colors, there's a guy right now that's complaining that his bike handles like a turd, and then when the mechanics ask him what, mm. he says, I don't know, but I don't like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We've been through this a bunch. You know
3: what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm like, can you imagine as a mechanic, you've got this spoiled that little... That sounds sp- like a fucking toddler.
2: Don't like it! Yeah, that's
3: yeah. all that is. Eh? And and the guy's making a couple million dollars. Yeah. And you're supposed to fix something that he can't articulate is wrong. And you're supposed to make what's wrong right. And the answer is always stiffer suspension and faster motors. Yeah. And in my world as a physiologist, especially with Moto Dads from hell, their thing is, well, you're just trying to sell me on your services. I'm like, no. I'm just telling you that if your son's already out of shape and you put stiffer suspension and a faster motor, it's only going to rear its ugly head even that much quicker. Yeah. And you're probably going to get hurt. I would rather you say, if that kid can take stock suspension and you've got it rung out and he's pinning that thing and he's waiting on it out of the corners, then go ahead and embellish it. But until then, fucking run stock Mm. and don't touch it beforehand. But I sound like the jerk. I sound like somebody that's on an agenda and I'm like, no, I just want your son to bounce and not break when he hits the ground. And I want to be able to squeeze the bike and hold onto it through the acceleration and braking bumps. If you want to get mad at me for that, that's fine. But that's Mm. what I'm trying to do. And that's what you're saying. They won't go to a track if it's rough. They won't learn to adapt as a track changes. And then they go to the races and they get their asses kicked and then go, "Well, the bike doesn't handle right." That's yeah. always the answer. Or if the trainer doesn't isn't isn't working. Mm. You've always got an out. Accountability yeah. and responsibility. You've is always
2: that, you've always got those people like I don't know if we've got many of them here, but Yeah, they exist. Like you like you say, I know what you're saying because at the end of the day, like our, our level's not too bad here in Australia. No, like, it's fantastic. Like at the moment, we've got, you know, how many Aussies around the world racing? Like yeah, yeah the like, championship like 15, and to 15 of them or something yeah, at the moment. Yeah, like it's it's
3: a good time at the Glad moment. Cloudy got fifth on the weekend. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I think there'll be a paradigm shift because they did go over and they've made a stamp. And they, you know, we're working with the Empire Kawasaki team right now, and, you know, with Jaden yeah. Rikers and they've got uh, Deacon Hillier. And it's interesting to watch those guys and their body language on the bike and they've got really good equipment and they've got a good program all the way around. There's no doubt that Jaden could be competitive over there. It's just getting him to see it. Mm. You know what I mean? You've been there. It's that, it's that experience that nothing else is going to buy. Yeah. It's, you got to go submerge yourself in it, rub elbows with them. Like I say, look to the left. When Mm. you're seeing a Crowley and a hurling and you're like, this is it. You know, this is what every, that's why I was saying earlier, you, everybody wants it. And that's why I have a responsibility to all of our riders. I need to make sure you're mentally prepared to handle what we're physically training for. Mm. You know, I, I use Loretta's all the time. We're not practicing starts to maybe get the whole shot. But then how many kids come out of the woods at Loretta's? They sweep into the in and the out and then we come out of what's called the woods into the Ten Commandments after the right hander, left hander, back into... And the kid shits himself because he's never led a race before, but his dad bought him a $20,000 dirt bike that's faster than anything else on the gate. (laughs) And he comes out like he's completely shell-shocked because he's never been there before. he doesn't
1: belong there in his own mind. Right.
3: And so for me, I'm always trying to get the brain to keep up with the physical adaptation. When we're looking at fitness, you've got to look at the realm of fitness. Fitness has both a positive and a negative. There's a positive adaptation. The body gets fitter and faster, but there's also a negative. There's fatigue you were talking about earlier when we're doing tapering programs our goal is to maintain fitness but shed fatigue Mm. that's that fine line Mm. that you were talking about earlier well when we get into a race like that at that level especially for you every weekend every other weekend it's the brain being able to handle the higher levels of a performance ability with the absence of fatigue because the absence of fatigue gets us into that mode where All right. It's just kind of the grind of going through it. All of a sudden you shed that almost like you just take and you you remove that outer shell and inside is that sweet spot. Mm. Well, that's what we all long for on race day is to have that sweet spot. But when all of a sudden you shed that fatigue, most people mentally can't handle that extra level of performance Mm. because they don't experience it enough. Mm. If I take him and I train him chronically to be fatigued all the time, I want the listeners to understand he's riding in a state of fatigue, which is going to limit his ability to process higher rates of speed. It's Mm. a speed rut. You've got to shed fatigue at the right times. That's why I'm so anal about when I ask for a 90-minute bike ride, please make it 90, not two and a half hours. Because you've increased the residual fatigue level, and when it comes to your quality days, I'm never going to be able to get it out of you. Mm. Sum it up in you're going too hard on your easy days, me leaving you below your capabilities on your quality days. Mm. But that doesn't make me popular. Now, if I sit here and scream at him and call him names and tell me he needs to push it and blah, 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 now it's all about me. Mm. I look good.
2: That's where I found more... Because you're obviously structuring out weeks and months and, you know, periods like training zone, uh, training blocks. So that's probably where the athletes go on, oh, today's a 90-minute... Like, they're only looking at that. That's right. That's where i think myself realizing and learning about that more you know that it's a week this is how many minutes for the week you know residual fatigue and then i've got a four-week block where this many minutes this many this many this many then it drops down so then it creates like this is where you start and it goes build build builds over your four weeks drops but not down there, like it's up a bit, and then it builds. And
3: yeah, we refer to that as incremental improvement. You should yeah. be at least one to two percent better at the end of that four week training block. Using your example, than you were when you started it. Yeah. The problem is, is, and I understand from an athlete's perspective, they're only looking at today. Yeah. Which is why the relationship between mm. a human performance coach and an athlete, he has to be comfortable to ask me why, and I have to be knowledgeable enough to answer his question why, and put it in a format that he understands it and begins to trust it. Then when he begins to trust it, that's when you get a world champion on your hands.
2: Yeah. Because the biggest thing that I've noticed is, obviously I've been lucky enough to ride in teams and stuff and experience this kind of stuff. But exactly like you said, these these parents and stuff are spending all this money on bikes and stuff. And what's the kid doing? Like, has anyone told him that, hey man, like maybe sit on the ground and do a bit of stretching while you watch TV? Exactly. It will help you a lot. Yep. Because when you get to like, 23 years old or 22 years old, when I found out that, hey, stretching's good, and I'm going <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so yeah, hours and hours and weeks and months to get it happening.
3: Well, and if I was, wor- if I met Todd at 16, I don't tell him to stretch, I show him how it proves his body position on the bike. Mm. When you look at flexibility, you have the skin, you have the fascia, and the muscles. So if I use foam rolling and I break any adhesions down, let's put that back into Todd's world. If you decide to run down the street and I'm holding on to your shirt, I'm creating a lot of internal friction. Core body temperature goes up, you're going to run slower because I'm holding on to you, and you won't run as far because you're going to be fatigued quicker. Mm. Well, if I can say to Todd at 16, here's how foam rolling will increase your sprint speed, decrease your core body temperature, and improve endurance – you don't think a sixteen-year-old that wants to be a world champion is going to foam roll? Mm. But tell any sixteen-year-old kid to foam roll and not tell them why, and see how much you get out of it. <laughs> <those guys> <laughs> <hurts>. You know, <laughs> yeah. and like I say, now at twenty-six, yep. you can't reach your toes. Yeah. That's where—that's my mission as a company, as a, as a person—is to try to have more sixteen-year-olds with this type of talent that doesn't have to go and be a Red Bull rider has the information available yeah. to them. What I find yeah. most staggering, and we talked about this on the way back from the airport today, is how I have to sit there and constantly just brow Drill beat. it in. Yeah. And again, I, I don't want anybody just to take my word for it. Challenge me on it. Please do. But when we validate it, you've seen it, you've experienced it. You can now touch your toes for the first time in a year. You understand what you did because you now can evaluate the result. Please keep doing what you were doing. It's what we were talking about, self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Seeing somebody, we, we've worked with some young riders in the 85 class, get them into a pro rig, and then they've got lots of money. They don't want to listen to my voice anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's madness. And now, That's crazy. Uh, now they're not getting re-signed uh, this year. And and it guts me because I'm like, you were making X amount of dollars. You could have gone X plus another 20%. You literally be a millionaire at seventeen. Yeah, I can't beg you to become a millionaire. I said this on the show last time. It's just, and and for somebody who doesn't know the background, they're like, oh, he's just being cocky. I'm not being cocky. I I have people that make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Motocross is our smallest. It's the least lucrative, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I don't care about last names on the back of the jersey. What I care about is. Can I increase your speed, increase your endurance, increase your longevity as an athlete, whether you're a weekend warrior or whether you're a pro athlete like Todd? What frustrates me is people will self-sabotage themselves. Mm. It's like, look, you made a few adjustments and you not I'm not putting words in your mouth. You're sleeping better. Your sleep scores are better. Your sleep cycles are improving. The duration of deep sleep is improving. We know what you've done and you simply choose not to do it accountability and responsibility you can't fix stupid that's (laughs) that's jordan bailey's dad's (laughs) favorite comment you can't fix stupid (laughs) well hey
1: boys we've done three hours and ten minutes nice (laughs) no i've got another question all right keep going you gotta go to bed mate
2: yeah i know but what's your thoughts because you talk a lot about protein and stuff and that's like yeah diets as we know is quite important so this game changer thing that, have you seen that Netflix yeah. TV show? I had,
3: I, I, in transparency, I have not seen it, but I've been inundated with questions about it. So yeah. go ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So everyone like who is kind of upcoming and whatever, they're straight away asking me questions like, oh, man, like, we're, you know, we're going, we want to be healthy. So we're going yeah. like on the vegan diet, this and that. And I'm like, oh, so you don't want to be healthy. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and when people refer to plant-based diets, it's because I want to be healthy, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm like, have you seen someone on a plant-based diet for more than 12 months? They almost look like a cancer victim. That's right. It's true. They that look yellow in the face and they, yep. they get quite... I'd like to see him in 10 years' time. Yeah, but
3: they won't be alive, but I I'm, get your point.
2: I wanted to ask your... Yeah, your experience on that because obviously I just go off my like I said I break a leg so I know what bone that is like that's why Yeah,
3: you know I've got no research behind anything until it gets to the very end and you have to pay attention to it (laughs) cell tissue organ system yeah Yeah. until it's broke you're not going to pay attention to it it's like a no disrespect to Michaela but it's like a female in a car as long as I turn the key and it cranks I don't care but as soon as I turn the key and it doesn't crank there's a problem I gotta (laughs) fix it right? I gotta call somebody well the big thing is and I agree with you 100% I'm not a big fan of plant based for everybody. Mm. And the reason why I put it in that context is most people say, oh, well, he's an elite athlete. He needs it. No, everybody needs the amino acids that you get out of animal products. Yeah. If you look at, the, if you look at amino, a complete protein, the egg is indexed at 100%. We talked about this on the last show. So when you look at the amino acid profile of something, and they say steak has an, I'm just using a very loose percentage, has 86. It means that uh, that piece of steak has 86% of the amino acids found in an egg. and the egg is indexed at 100%. Yeah. That's why we advocate eggs so much. Yep. So what I, my, if we may use the word, area of debate is the amount of food that you have to eat in a plant-based environment to get a complete protein is enormous, first yep. and foremost. We've already talked in today's show the idea that the average individual, when your watch is burning five 6,000 calories, and you're eating chicken. You'd salmon. have to eat
1: spinach that would fill this room exactly, yeah. and that's on
3: a daily basis.
1: And that's like because gorillas, you know, gorillas eat plants for fucking seventeen hours a day. <laughs> yeah. They have like a huge bone on the top of their head that their jaw muscles have to connect to, because their fucking jaws eat that <laughs> much. Like th- it's like that's the reason that they they got it, eh? Yeah. And like I always think. Whenever anyone talks about vegan shit, I'm like, all right, this is in my retarded brain. We're the only species on earth that has figured out how to use fire. And then we've used fire to cook meat so that meat is easier to chew. We're also the smartest motherfuckers on the planet. And we're the the only ones that can use fire. We're the only ones that can cook meat. And we're the, the top, top, top of the food chain. Like I just don't think that that's any coincidence.
3: No, yeah, and, and it goes back like you're saying. How much food do those apes eat? And it's a full time job, seventeen, yeah, 17 hours 17 a day. Seventeen
1: hours, man. And then they sleep. They eat leaves, and then they sleep. But but but, but it, we don't have to. bit sorry, no, no, go, no, for, go it. for it, bro. But we can we can eat one steak. Cook that fucking thing. It takes <laughs> it takes fifteen minutes if it's medium rare. You can chew the bastard in five. So in twenty minutes, you can eat the like, the intake of what a gor- takes a gorilla 16 hours probably more who is <laughs> fucking dumb the gorilla is dumb like that in that's the way that I get my head around the vegan well, shit but it's, these days sorry no, these these days you can get supplements like you can pull it off but like
2: there's fucking yeah but like my argument is like these are kids coming to me who want to be world champion mm-hmm. right
1: don't ask you <laughs> what do hey, you know no
2: but that's what they're saying they're like hey like, you know, and I'm saying, well, first of all, you're here and your dad's here, you know, you're going to go back to here and then you're going to have to try and work out how you're going to get better than your dad. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you a look at person.
3: The, the problem I have with all these, whether it's keto or whether it's super, you know, when you look at the fitness side, you have, you know, go back super set, super slow, then it's. P90X insanity. If that's just in the exercise. Now it's Ta-Bo, CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. Tybo, yep. I yeah. always forget about it. i remember that one.
1: Tybo, that fucking, wasn't that a yeah. black dude yeah, that yeah. likes to do that? Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: And then if you look at the nutritional side, you have low fat, no fat. You know, you have high fat, no fat. I mean, it's just, there's so many spin offs on it. Now, of course, the latest and greatest is keto, intermittent fasting slash keto. Well, if we go back to the subject in the in the teeter totter analogy, All you're doing is adding more stress to a system. We just talked tonight that you were weighing your food and you realized, hey, wait, I'm kind of getting my responsibilities as an athlete. Now you're going to add strictly plant-based diet. There's another trainer that you know very well who's very anti-gluten. Well, I can sit here and say, go gluten-free. That's easy to say. It's a lot of work. I can say, don't eat any raw sugar. That's easy to say, but hard to do. I don't live in a glass house. I've said this every show that I've been on with you. Try not to live in a bed. Because like you said earlier, where's the balance? Where's the fun? Yeah. If If these Europeans are eating waffles... That makes some of our listeners cringe like, "Oh my gosh, he's eating a white starch. Oh my gosh, he's going to die." <laughs> this is curly, right? He's not dying. Dude, he's doing people, quite well.
1: People smoke uh, meth and are still alive. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can eat fucking gluten and meat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. like, for real. No,
2: I'm just I'm super interested in that because I just can't get my head around because as soon as I I seen it and heard about it, I yep. was just like, "Oh, what this is this isn't for me because I'm trying to be an elite athlete and I don't want to disadvantage myself. Right. Like, like I, I've got my sort of level here of all the little things that I do and what I've found like weighing the food, like sure. maybe not for me, this and that. But, and I'm thinking from here, I'm going to go and, and weigh myself and do that sort of stuff and try and improve my eating before bed to try and, I want to nail that sleeping side of things, yep. you know, to then go hang on a second i'm gonna cut out all meat first of all if i've got a race in tasmania and i go to a restaurant and it ain't no vegan restaurant like i'm done that adds pressures for me race on sunday oh, massive yeah. dude like yeah. it just seems and then these kids are wanting to go to europe that's a nightmare and the the thing is with that game i
1: haven't watched a game changer documentary i refuse to watch yeah. it but like who are they talking to That. the fucking top 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 making multi multi millions of dollars like all those guys they can do what they want yeah well, like when and you've got that much money and you're like that that pointy end of sport you can literally do whatever you want but and you the can problem
3: i have work. is are they really doing it Yeah. that's the problem i have because like we had a guy that came to us and was doing keto he's paying x amount of dollars for per month for these little envelopes of food and it's 400 calories that's all he's allowed to eat per day now let's back up and look at what he's doing He's first of all eating out of an envelope, so that's synthetic. Somebody in a manufacturing plant had to make it. It's 400 calories. He's only allowed to eat that all day long to keep his body in a state of ketosis. Uh, I, I get it. Like we said, there's a difference between surviving and thriving. If you look at the if you watch the show Survivor, mm. they're trying to survive, no pun <laughs> intended, and they all look emaciated and they look horrible. Mm. Is that the state you want to go to a World Cup with? No. So, if you back up and you say, okay, this guy's eating an envelope of food that he mixes, and then he has to take 25 supplements with it, mm. what do you think the supplements are doing? Making up for what you're not eating. Yeah, what you should just be And eating, supplements yeah. are synthetic to begin with. Yeah. I own my own supplement business, as I said earlier. Don't take them until you realize you're not getting enough, fill in the blank, B6, B12, iron, fish oil, whatever. That's where supplementation comes in. So. What I get concerned about with these agenda shows is it's exactly it. There's yeah. some agenda behind it, whether it's... Well, they
1: all had... Ve- all the people that were on that Game Changers, they all own like vegan supplement companies, vegan food companies. They had published vegan there you books. Go. Like all these people... See,
3: I hadn't even heard that, but that makes sense.
1: No, yeah, they all... every. F- Fucking person. It's not like some dude, the dude that made game changes, wasn't some random dude that genuinely wanted to know. And he interviewed this side and he interviewed this side and then he met in the middle and said, This is what I think. It was like everybody from this side. Let's take everybody from this side that supports our argument and let's interview them and let's make the biggest, most sexy argument for why everybody should be vegan and then let's put that on Netflix mm. and then it'll be controversial because we didn't include anybody on this side so then you're going to get all the people from this side saying "Oh, blah 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 and it just brings all of this attention back to this And then, but in the film and then what happens is you go yeah go watch it and then it's just the people that are on this side so yeah, it's, it's all. It's yeah. not. It's not the right way to get information. And like I would say to anyone, like anyone that would change their diet based off a fucking Netflix documentary, you're an idiot.
3: <laughs> well, and, but
1: you're, and, you are. You need more information than something like you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, like you say, you show show me the amino yeah.
3: acids that you're taking out because that's what we get from our animal products for the most part. Yeah. And look at those amino acids and where else are you going to find them? If you're a lacto ovo vegetarian and you're going to do eggs and you're going to, you know, great. But if you're going to go strict vegan and it's kind of interesting, if you look at cholesterol, cholesterol only comes from animal products. And if you look like 15 years ago, everything was anti-cholesterol. When you go down the cereal aisle and it says cholesterol free on a box of Cheerios, Last time I checked, I don't remember there being any meat in Cheerios. Mm. but <laughs> every box of cereal had cholesterol free on it. Yeah. It was an agenda. Yeah. It, it, that's the new f- sexy fad.
1: Oh, like unsaturated polyunsaturated. Yeah, the unsaturated yeah. fats, you know. And you, then like, yeah, you get cholesterol. All that no salt. It's like we fucking need salt because yeah. if you do salt, then you can't like Don't, take don't any change water. anything. Yeah.
3: Raw fruits, raw vegetables, lean protein. Now, if you want to get your protein from tofu, cool. But get it from tofu and a little bit of fish and a little bit of meat, or excuse me, chicken and beef. Make it Mm well-rounded. If we go back to the beginning of our podcast today, you go back to the cellular health. I want to see, to your point though, Todd, I want to see blood work of somebody who went strict vegan. And I want to see it every Mm -hmm. three months. That's what we do with our clients. That's Mm -hmm. what we request at least, is at least if I get blood work every three months and if there's a deficiency, I've only got to tweak 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. I know what your training log looks like, I pretty much know what your food log looks like, the blood work is an end result of those two calories, two columns, fix it. I wanna see a strict vegan 3, 12, and 18 months later. I wanna see blood health. Don't give me this garbage about cholesterol and this and all the, all the platforms that they advocate it. You will see an epidemic. I said this in your last show. You know how many people we pick up that are a fallout from Insanity, P90X, now, yeah. Uh, CrossFit. Yeah. You know what I mean? People we've picked up from Zone, Atkins, South Beach, all these eating plans. And we always bring them and put them right back in the same four corners. Yeah. Walk into the store, <laughs> eat the perimeter, get out. Yeah. Eat every two hours. Don't let yourself get hungry. That answers the question of how much. If you got hungry, you need to eat more. Yeah. If the quality is good, perimeter of the store, fruits, vegetables, and lean protein and you eat every two hours and you're not hungry, so you're stabilizing blood sugars, you're done. Yeah. Now go exercise, go live, be free, fly kites, go. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's so simple. But we want to convolute the simplistic. Yeah. And, and when you get to elite level performance, it really doesn't change. If you're hungry within two hours, you're burning more than you're consuming, bump it up until yeah. you're not hungry. Take body composition every six weeks, so you know you're building muscle and dropping body fat. But it's not sexy to sell that. Mm. It's too simple. Yeah we'll keep pushing the agenda we're going to keep pushing the message I yeah. like that was a good one on that no do not do the strict vegan in my opinion <laughs> yeah. I like it because right. I seem
2: to be the only one fighting that <laughs> <laughs> well, I got you bro yeah awesome. exactly <laughs> we're on it righto thanks so much Rob thanks guys anytime
1: you're in the studio hey thank you so much treat. I'm yeah. glad it was cool to get you two guys to get together too hopefully you learn some stuff Todd
2: yeah Yep, yeah, I've confused, got a few maybe. more questions to ask
3: that'd be perfect show. Be we'll good. be here thanks very much for coming Rob thanks thanks for having us thanks
1: everyone for listening and uh, we'll have Rob Beams back on the show the next time he's in the country thanks so much (laughs) perfect see you guys take
5: care